Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone happy friday eve on 101 espn at 701 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler that's michelle i'm randy good morning how are you i'm doing well randy good morning to you i'm uh, i'm enjoying the day so far it's sunny <laughs> yesterday i woke up and it was dark yeah not great i, I prefer the sun i I like the San Diego type weather that we're enjoying right now it's summertime it's officially june this is the weather we were promised it is and the kids are out of school, so they should be outside running around, although they're inside playing their video games, but they should be outside running around and playing ball and shooting hoops and having a good time going to the pool. Hope they are. I hope they are, too. Don't stay inside, kids. Yeah. Listen and, listen to Uncle Randy. Get outside. Enjoy it. Right. Yeah, it's good for you. It's positive. The, the Cardinals were outside playing yesterday, right? And they knocked off the Padres by a score of 5-2. to two. It was a fun game. The Cardinals uh, getting decent, well, I'll say better than decent starting pitching from Dakota Hudson. He allowed a run in the first. The Cardinals were able to tie the game on a Juan Yepes sacrifice fly in the fourth inning. And then in the sixth inning with Paul Goldschmidt on, extending his on-base streak to 21 games, Arenado, who had been cold in May, stepped up in June. And the 1-0 pitch to Arenado. Arenado hits it out to deep left field. At the wall! Danny Mack, the call on Bally Sports, and the Cardinals would go on to win it by a score of 5-2. to two. Michelle Arenado, 3-for-4, Goldie 1-for-2, and that streak of uh, the hitting streak is at 23 games. He is hotter than hot. Paul Goldschmidt is the hottest player in baseball right now. It's unbelievable. But, Randy, we talked about it yesterday, the game prior. Nolan Arenado with that single to right in the first inning, breaking that 0-for-17 slump. It was my take-it-or-leave-it-to-you mm-hmm. yesterday that that was going to be the thing that busted him out and that we were going to see Nolan Arenado start to get rolling here. And it seems like he did yesterday. Hopefully that can continue, but to see Arenado and Goldie get going at the same time, good thing for the Cardinals. Yeah, and scary for the rest of the National League. Absolutely. Meanwhile, Dakota Hudson goes seven innings. He allows only one run on four hits, strikes out three, and this is the key, Michelle. He walked only one Mm -hmm. through 104 pitches. What do he think? Yeah, I mean, I got out there trying to do a little bit too much, Um, you know, been kind of banging on a drum a little bit, trying to, like, make sure I'm throwing strikes. And then, uh, you know, Harry makes a great play, able to settle down, you know, get in the dugout, rub some fruit on it, and then uh, uh, kind of go back out there and uh, make some adjustments. I think today was just less is more and force them to swing the bat and uh, try and force contact, and they were swinging, so. Okay, big question here. If you're going to go into the dugout and rub some fruit on it, what kind of fruit? 
Thank you, Randy. This is a question I was going to pose to you. I would think maybe a banana. I was thinking orange. Citrus? Yeah, but you know what? On a warm St. Louis day, maybe that's not the play. Kind of sticky if you rub fruit on it. Yeah, see, that's why I was thinking. Banana's probably a better play. It's mashed. You can probably spread it evenly. Yeah, good thought. You know, some um, potassium in there. Yeah, Matthew Rocchio, you got any ideas here? You gonna rub some fruit on it? I mean, I had no idea. Then she, but as soon as you said banana, I'm like, I mean, people love that potassium. That's right. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the thing: he was having a little trouble locating. I don't know. Maybe he mashed down some carrots. Got the eyesight going a little bit sharper. That's not, not, sure, a, fruit. not a fruit. Not a fruit. Though you're right. Yeah. The question was, Tomato? what fruit would you run? Oh, I see what you're doing there. Seeds. Um, maybe strawberries. See, I always thought it was rub some dirt on it, not that's rub some thought, fruit yeah, on yeah, it. Right. That's what. As soon as he said it, I was. I was confused. So after Cody Whitley's performance, he needed to do something akin because he went two-thirds of an inning. He allowed a run, made it interesting, but Nidub came in to finish it off. I'm not even going to react. <laughs> you're not going there? I'm not going to react. I know now that the Blues are done, you're going to be missing Nadub a whole lot. You're going to be miss, miss dearly. seeing him, miss saying Nadub. We are not letting Nidub happen. Michelle, I'm just looking at the show plan here. I'm that just, you type up. Who oh, typed no. up night uh, up? That was, yeah, that was me. Oh, come on. Come <laughs> on, a, you two. There's a question mark next to it. Uh, uh, hey, at least, I didn't write out, at least I didn't write out the one that I coined earlier today. Did you like well, your thoughts on how Seawitch struggled yesterday against the Padres there in the ninth? Oh, Michelle, anything C-Witch. anything there? K-Witch. Anything there? k Oh, yeah, it's k I guess. Yeah, I was going to say Seawitch. Yeah. I don't know about that one. I keep saying Cody in my head. K-Witch, Seawitch, either way. I like it. So the Cardinals win it by a score of 5-2. to two. They're now uh, only two games behind the Brewers in the National League Central, which is a good thing. They play the Cubs tonight at Wrigley Field. Paul Goldschmidt historically has it very well at Wrigley Field. 310 batting average, 413 on base, 522 slug for a 935 OPS in 218 plate appearances at Wrigley, Michelle. Goldie has 22 homers and 62 RBI, so he should be able to continue the hot streak. So his career high hit streak, Randy, is at 26. That was back from September 10th, 2013 um, to April 4th, carried over Mm -hmm. with Arizona. He's at 23 right now. Do we think he breaks his own streak? Yes, I believe he does. I believe he does, too. Given what you just said about the way that he hits versus the Cubs, especially at Wrigley, I think that we're going to see Goldie. I think we could see him get to 30. That would be fun. That would be national news. Yes, it um, would. At least national sports news. Now, when he gets to 44, then that'll be (laughs) national news. And then when he gets to 55, ooh. 44 was Pete Rose in the 70s. 56, obviously. The one unbreakable record in baseball right now. I guess there's a lot, but I mean, single-season baseball record. I I don't think it's unbreakable. 56 in a row. That'd be a lot of pressure. But who, I want to see it. But who is better under pressure than Paul Goldschmidt? Nobody. Nobody. He doesn't so, even want to talk about it. He'll have to talk about it when it gets to be 55, though. Yes, he will. A national broadcast will make it. You think him. he'll come on and join us to talk about himself with a 55-game hitting streak? No. I wonder if he'll ever talk about himself with a 55-game hitting streak. Probably not. Or he'll probably say... Thanks to the team around me for yep. for picking me up, or he'll somehow deflect it to its, his teammates because that's what he does. Yeah, that's just who he is. So tonight at seven o'clock, the Cardinals and Cubs at Wrigley Field. Matthew Libertor against one of my favorites, uh, and I loved him on SNL. Keegan Thompson. What's up with this? What's up with that? Ooh, 
Keegan Thompson. Different guy. Different guy. It is? Different guy, yeah. That's he, Keenan. Thought, he's so, Keenan. Well, he's so multi-talented. He's, he's, he, he, he's got baseball skills. He can sing. Keenan, guys. Keenan Thompson. No, okay. Never mind. I was, I, I was, also also formerly of all that. I was going to say, he, he went from all that to the majors. That's not a... Oh, okay, well, kind of takes the shine off the story. Does Keegan Thompson is five and zero with a one point five eight? That's right. He pitches for the Cubs. He's five and zero with a one point five eight ERA. He struck out thirty five and he has a whip of one point oh three. A whip. Mm-hmm. He does. Uh, so the Cardinals will have their hands full, and Matthew Libertor will have his hands full. Michelle, I came in here on Tuesday morning after the long holiday weekend, yes. spent a few nights uh, with my son watching the Memphis Redbirds, and came in and said. Man, Paul DeYoung just looks like a beaten down guy. Looks defeated. So then we have games on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And Paul DeYoung, clearly a listener, has the app on down in Charlotte. 101 ESPN app. Download it now. It's free. Yeah, yeah, use it. It's important. So in the last two games, Paul DeYoung has a homer and a double in each. Mm. He's gone five for nine with a walk and only one strikeout. He's raised his average from 177 to 225. And his slugging percentage, Michelle, from 274 to 423 in two games. Okay, Paul. <laughs> Paulie D, listening to the app, upset with what Randy Carricker had to yep, say. Not happy with me. But you know what, Randy? Sometimes we need that extra push. Maybe uh, reading things prior listening to things prior didn't really do it for him and just hearing you say that he looks like a beaten down man is what propelled him to yeah. to turn it around i'm defeated huh i'll show him i'll show that randy character i'll defeat this baseball that's what i'm gonna <laughs> that's, do so that's what he's been doing good for paulie d good guy and hopefully he can get it back uh last night the nhl eastern conference finals got under the way the rangers thumped tampa bay six to two michelle isn't it interesting that the rangers in trying to build their team so that they could defend themselves against Tom Wilson, accidentally built themselves a conference championship team. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> Didn't mean to do it, but we did. No, but they look really good. I was hoping so badly, Randy, to see the Rangers versus the Blues because mm-hmm. I have never been to any sort of game at Madison Square Garden, oh, yeah. and I was going to make it there come hell or high water if it was the Blues versus the Rangers. But how about our two old buddies, Pat Maroon and Ryan Reeves, going cool, at, at it that last night? Great. We talked about it on the show yesterday. If those two we're going to get in a fight who we thought would win. And I think we were right. I think so, too, unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry, Patrick. (laughs) NBA Finals Game 1 tonight here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 7 for the Warriors and the Celtics, who are led by St. Louis and Jason Tatum. Making it to the finals is a big accomplishment, something that we should be proud of. And we're super excited for the for the challenge. Obviously, you know, the ultimate goal is to win a championship. So we still got a long task ahead. And we'll all be rooting in this room, at least, for the St. Louis and Tatum to win the championship. Oh, absolutely. Golden State has enough already. Yeah. They're a likable team. How can you not like Steph Curry? He's one of the most likable guys in sports. However, you've had your shine, Steph. It's time to step aside for the St. Louis and Jason Tatum. Right. Exactly. So, go JT. I got to root for the Boston Celtics? Yes, you do. Sad but true. No, you just have to root for Jason Tatum. So Tatum MVP in a losing cause? Has that ever happened? No, 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 no. We want him to win. Okay. We want him to win because it adds to the resume and it adds to St. Louis's sports resume that we produced an NBA champion. I say we as a collective. Okay. I like that. And one other note, and Greg Amsinger is coming up in just a few minutes here on 101 ESPN. I came on a couple of weeks ago with, I thought was credible information. I was told by somebody inside the XFL that they would have 
names and logos announced on June 1st. So I came on and said that. <laughs> Clearly, the information was not that good because they didn't announce anything yesterday. So I apologize for that. I got uh, bad information, but it's on me because I reported it. So I will own that. And hopefully, this league will actually come to into being. Seems kind of late in the game to not have like cities or team names or things like that. You know, I was very excited when I found out it was going to be The Rock who was taking mm-hmm. over the XFL because anything The Rock touches turns to gold. Even a mediocre action film will somehow be mm-hmm. a box office hit because The Rock's involved. He is a hit maker, a star maker. So I thought, and he's a football guy. So he mm-hmm. he would know not only how to make this an entertaining product and have the star power to get more people to pay attention to it, but he's a football guy, so he would understand. And I know he's a good businessman too, but... I'm with you, Randy, as someone that was part of the first iteration of the Battle Hawks. Even when they had enough runway to get it done, it was still down to the wire before game one to get everything done. People don't realize all of the details and intricacies that go on in putting together not only a live game event, but a television product. And I just think they're doing themselves a disservice by not announcing it yet. I mean, we're in June and they're expected to play next spring. You're not even giving them a full calendar year to get this underway. And I think that you should be telling the cities what the teams are going to be, who the coaches are going to be, who the players are going to be to build excitement. Sell some tickets. Yeah. And apples to apples, because we have another team that's starting up next fall, next spring as well. We're going to talk to Lutz Fonensteel from St. Louis City SC coming up at 815. But they've been at it for years and they've already got players. They've had their coaching staff in place. They keep adding new coaches. They're extremely involved in the community. So apples to apples, you have one that you feel like could play today and another one that you don't even have a name for. Well, we have a name, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll <laughs> hopefully we, we have the name. We don't know that. Yeah, it's so. not announced yet. But I, can you imagine if they tried to change the name? This is going to be the St. Louis, you know, deer or whatever. Yeah. Fear the deer. Fear the deer. We'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, next on Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A native of St. Louis, a product of the Lindenwood University, the only one and only Greg Amzinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, joins us now here on 101 ESPN. He's actually uh, getting ready to tee off up in Montclair, New Jersey, so we're proud of him for that. And uh, especially after a long night, man, quick turnaround. But uh, there's one thing I know that can get people like us out of bed early, Greg. Two things. Number one, work, because you kind of have to do it. And the other thing is golf. Listen, I'm not even in Montclair. I drove 45 minutes. I got a big money tournament. Uh, Kids, Uncle Greg doesn't believe in gambling, but I got a big money tournament today. Big match in Sparta, New Jersey, which is kind of like Western New Jersey. It's very similar to Missouri. I, I like it out here. Very scenic, lots of trees. The people are very kind. The only difference, they don't ask you what high school you went to. <laughs> so I feel like I'm at home out here. I feel like I'm at home. Okay, big question, though. It is uh, obviously uh, a big money tournament, like you said. So if you have a disagreement with, with somebody, a couple years down the road, do you go up and slap them? 
<laughs> no, no. Um, that right there is uh, uh, boys being boys, but they forgot their men. Like sometimes, sometimes these guys get into such a millennial mind space that they forget that they've got facial hair now, and they've reproduced, and they have like spouses, and and they have a mortgage, and and I, it's crazy how um, teenagerish some of these professional athletes can act and I've seen it in person. It actually just played out on a baseball field in the outfield between two guys that had huge personalities. So um, <laughs> look, the fact that Mike Trout got dr- drug into this is just hysterical, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a millennial professional athlete mind space. That's what this was. Greg, I'm with you. I feel badly for Mike Trout, who's just trying to do his best job as commissioner. He didn't think that this would end in a slap. Uh, we talked about this with Adam Wainwright yesterday, who's a great commissioner of the Cardinals Fantasy League. But outside of Adam Wainwright, who do you think in baseball would be a great fantasy football commissioner? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, I think uh, Max Scherzer would be a bit too intense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally. There would be, be a lot of fines. And that the two different color eyes, if he, if he jumps on a FaceTime <laughs> with you and, and you made an inappropriate roster move, I just think that would be really intimidating. I think Aaron Judge would be straight. I mean, Judge mm-hmm, is his mm-hmm. last name. Now, I think he's got that stoic, Jeter-esque personality. I think he'd be really good. Um, but if I could pick anyone to be my fantasy football commissioner, it would be Andrew McCutcheon. Oh. I think Andrew McCutcheon would be fun, light. He wouldn't be so over-strict. He'd let you finagle the rules a little bit, which I would like to do. So I think if I could handpick anyone, it'd be Andrew McCutcheon. Hey, Greg, I, I think about this question I'm going to ask you a lot because – I think we're kind of spoiled here in St. Louis, but if you would have asked a baseball fan around the country six years ago, you would have said, okay, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are going to be playing on the same team. And you knew coming up that Bryant and Rizzo were going to become free agents, or you knew that the Yankees were going to be, heck, right now it's Donaldson and Rizzo for them, right? If you would have looked around baseball, the Cardinals might have been in the middle of the pack in Major League Baseball on the list of teams that you would have thought, heck, I would have picked Colorado or Arizona ahead of St. Louis to have both Arenado and Goldschmidt on their corners. It, it, this season, Randy, it, it, to me, personifies the magic of this organization. We've talked about it an awful lot, but I, I think what we're witnessing right now is, is the best uh, example of it. And what I mean by that is, a front office and ownership that's committed to the formula of success. What are we enjoying right now? We're enjoying smart money. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, highly paid superstars. This is not a major market. St. Louis is not considered a major market in the sport. They are the pillars of this team, bona fide superstars that play every single day. You mix that in with the, the bedrock of homegrown players, the, the, the Baders, the Carlsons, the O'Neills, you know, the Sosas, the Edmonds. That's awesome, right? But then you've also got the influx of young talent from the farm system. Gorman, Donovan, Yepes. Liberator, they're all helping this team, all while they celebrate the past and the history. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols. No team balances these three things better than the St. Louis Cardinals. 
and I've said it for a long time, but this year, this season is the most symbolic season. And I really, truly believe the formula at its peak, which is where I think it is, will end up winning the NL Central. I think the Brewers know they're coming. All these guys on the IL, everyone nationally understands the Cardinals are red hot. Paul Goldschmidt's playing better than he's ever played. And this team's a machine right now. You get Flaherty back in the rotation, watch out. This is Cardinal baseball at its best. Greg, do you think this is sustainable for Goldie? Do you think at the end of the year we'll be talking about Paul Goldschmidt, National League MVP? I think I think it's possible. The one thing that, that separates him from Manny Machado, who I am a big fan of, who I think is the other legit MVP candidate. I'll give you my third in a second. You might roll your eyes, but hold off. Uh, Manny Machado is a bit of a hothead, and I love Manny Machado. Uh, Yonder Alonso is one of my good friends. He's a new analyst here at MLB Network, and that's his brother-in-law. So I've hung out with Manny Machado. He's an awesome dude. I mean, much more mature than people give him credit for. He wants to win. Dude plays every single day. He's got, a, he's got an Arenado bullish mentality of winning baseball games, but he's just he lets his emotions get the best of him. Paul Goldschmidt does not ever do that. We interviewed Nolan Arenado after the walk-off uh, granny from Paul Goldschmidt last week, and Nolan Arenado said that of all the players he's ever played with, and he's played with some good ones, he started walking through all the great Rockies he had played with, that Paul Goldschmidt is the smartest baseball player he's ever played with. And that is quite the compliment. I I think it is sustainable. The one thing I will say is Goldie does have moments where he gets lost, where where he loses it and he looks completely befuddled. His new approach mentally and the way he's approaching each bat is a major adjustment that we haven't seen. And I do think it is sustainable. The third NL MVP candidate to me is a closer. And it's Josh Hader. Mm. If Josh Hader continues on this pace and he's 17 or 18 for 18 and save opportunities hasn't given up a run i think he's given up four hits all year he's the most important pitcher to any team in the sport right now and i know people are like ah he's a failed starter forget that noise look at what the philadelphia phillies have been experiencing i know they won last night but they, they'd pay anything for a josh Hader because their bullpen is such a mess the red sox would say the same thing josh Hader in a sport where we've seen closers win the MVP before, Dennis Eckersley, Willie Hernandez, is as dominant as we've ever seen. And I think it, the Milwaukee Brewers do not have a bulletproof lineup. This is a team that's not going to score a ton of runs. I know they're hitting home runs right now, but I don't think that's sustainable. They're going to need to win one-run games. Hayter could have 50 saves this year with a sub-one ERA, and if they win the Central because of his performance, he could be a dark horse MVP. couple more things for Greg Amsinger. Number one, you've been watching this sport forever, so you know that over the course of 162 games, every team is going to have its blip. Was getting swept by the Pirates at home a blip for the Dodgers? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, look, the Dodgers have a target on their back, man. That's just the way it is. Everybody shows up wanting to to give the Dodgers their best run. Uh, this team is absolutely loaded. Watching Trey Turner make his millions right now with a 24-game hitting streak. Mookie Betts is on pace for 45 home runs from the leadoff spot. The rotation is dealing with some injuries right now, but it's still Bueller, Arias. Eventually, you're going to get Kershaw back. They've got talent up and down, man. I, I'm not worried. Of all the teams to worry about, I'm not worried about the Los Angeles Dodgers. That said, when you look at the NL West and who's trending in the right direction, I made a prediction last night on MLB Tonight, my June prediction. 
Mackenzie Gore will be the pitcher of the month. Mackenzie Gore, this young left-hander, is 23 years old. Watch him. I think he's the greatest pitching talent our sport has seen since Clayton Kershaw debuted in 2008. Wow. That's how good this kid is. I think he's going to go from being the front runner for NL Rookie of the Year to front runner of NL Cy Young at the end of the month. You mix him in with Fernando Tatis, who's on his way back eventually, and the Padres could push the Los Angeles Dodgers into a nail-biter for first place in the West. Well, a team, Greg, that should be worried is the Washington Nationals, 18-34 and 34 right now, having a terrible season. Juan Soto declined a 13-year, $350 million contract that was offered to him by the Nationals before the lockout this winter. Mike Rizzo came on the radio yesterday and said, we are not trading Juan Soto. But should they consider it? Because they would certainly be able to push a rebuild faster if they were able to move him. Yeah, he hit a weird spot, Mike Rizzo, because he's got all this money allocated to a pitcher in Steven Strasburg. He's got two years left on one of the worst pitchers right now in baseball, Patrick Corbin, who I don't think you could flip even if you ate the money. No one's taking Patrick Corbin. He's not getting anybody out, and he continues to lose games. They have no bullpen. Uh, Tanner Rainey should not be a closer for any team. He should be a sixth or seventh inning guy, but that's all, the, that's all they got. I, I, I don't see how you avoid trading Juan Soto. Uh, this team is a depleted farm system. I, I, I don't see where they go. And, and if he thinks he's going to continue to spend money when the Lerner family is trying to sell the team, I, I, I just don't see it, man. I mean, we're talking about a kid that's going to hit free agency at a super young age. He's already won a world championship, a batting title. Many believe he's got the best eye that we've seen since Barry Bonds at the plate. I, I, he's going to be a 400 to $500 million player. How many teams can afford that? Certainly not a team that is trying to sell. I mean, look at Giancarlo Stanton. He won the MVP. He almost hit 60 home runs. He almost dragged the Marlins to the postseason. And when they sold their team to Bruce Sherman and that Derek Jeter group, Giancarlo Stanton's contract was looked at as a liability, a fiscal liability fresh off an MVP year, and they traded him. So I I just don't see how it makes sense because the team's pretty much being shopped around. So you've got to move him. To me, there's one team that stands out. It's a team that isn't going to bring back Aaron Judge because they think they want to go get Juan Soto, and that is the New York Yankees. Like I said, Nolan Arenado would be wearing a Cardinal uniform years before uh, Nolan Arenado did. I said Albert Poulos will end his career in St. Louis years before anyone was talking about that. Juan Soto is going to be a New York Yankee. Book it. Mike Rizzo just hasn't got the memo yet. But Boris is going to get him into free agency, and the Yankees, Mets, and Dodgers are all going to need or want Juan Soto. That might be the greatest bidding war in MLB free agency history. I think, I mean, seriously, half a billion dollars. Yep. 500 million. I know people are going to drive off the road when I say that, but if you look at the guys that are getting paid and you look at what he's accomplished in a small amount of time, we're talking about the, a $500 million athlete. It really right. could happen. Hey, Greg, one more thing. And as we get closer to the draft in a month and a half, we'll talk more about this. But uh, last week, Jim Callis of MLB.com had Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's son, going first overall to the Orioles. In your at least preliminary look at the draft, you think that's a legit possibility that Jackson Holiday winds up going first? I love that kid. He's a star. I just 
don't see anybody being taken over Drew Jones. My own son, Google this kid. I mean, to say he's better than his dad, and I still think his dad's a Hall of Fame player, I truly believe this kid's got a higher upside than Andrew Jones, the, mm. the great center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Anybody that passes on Drew Jones, to me, is missing out on the best talent in this draft class. I think Jones is the number one pick. And today, by the way, Jonathan Mayo, or yesterday, at MLB.com, indeed had Drew Jones going number one overall to the Orioles, which might not be a bad thing. If He could go to the Orioles, and I think Jackson Holiday would probably be happier going to the Rangers than the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers are one of the biggest stories in baseball right now with the way they're playing. No one saw them being competitive right now. Jack Leiter's going to be up at the end of the year. So the Rangers are moving their guys to the big leagues quickly. That's the team you want drafting you in the first round. Hey, have a great tournament today. Have a great time. Enjoy your outdoors time, and we will talk to you soon. All right, I'll see you guys on TV tonight. You bet. Hit them well. See you later. All right, Greg Amzinger has MLB Tonight on MLB Network. Yeah, you got to check that out. Uh, and that their staff does unbelievable work. Nobody has greater passion for the sport than the folks at MLB Network. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's Thursday, so we've got a little game of Sick of It with Carriker Smallman and Matthew on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. Misplaced one little letter and you think it's Keenan Thompson and people jump all over you. Time for sick of it here on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, you and I, and I think many single listens, are already sick of the business side of the NFL, right? Yeah. What they've done to us. Well, the NFL is being investigated by Congress because of the misappropriation of funds allegations and the toxic workplace environment allegations against the Washington Washington Commanders. And a congressional subcommittee has asked Roger Goodell and Dan Snyder to appear at a hearing on June 22nd. And they say, eh, maybe, maybe not. You know what? The NFL gets an antitrust exemption from the federal government, from the congressional people that are asking them to come and testify. I'm sick of the NFL thinking and actually being bigger than the federal government. How did that happen? I don't know. But the fact that Roger Goodell can say, yeah, I I don't really feel like it, and then just get away with it, I'm sick of it. Yeah, think about that for a second. That he can say to the government, eh, we're good here. Yeah, Congress. Say, yeah, yeah. you know what, I'll give you some written answers, whatever, but I don't really want to talk to you people. And then they're like, okay. Yeah, and no threat. No threat of the antitrust exemption. Which would obviously allow for, well, it would allow the XFL to or the USFL to try to compete with the National Football League. I wonder if any other league could get away with that. Is sports in general so powerful in our country that Congress and or the government wouldn't want to mess with it? Or is it strictly the NFL? No, because think of the steroids hearing and how what a big spectacle that was with McGuire and Sosa and Sealy was there. And they had to answer to the, the questions that but Congress that's had. players, not owners. Yeah, but you had the representative of, of the owners in C-League, though. That's true. 
But so, it just feels like it's these multi-multi-billionaires well, that they don't want to mess with. There's a whole lot more arrogance on the part of the NFL than any other entity probably in America. It's just... <laughs> and I'm sick of it. Outrageous that we've gotten yeah. to this point that because you own a, a football team that you get away with whatever you yeah. want to do. Right. It's amazing. It really is. Rudy, I'm sick of the Blues not playing. Already. I'm so it's sick of it already. Four, 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 four days? Saturday, I, Sunday, Monday? I just truly still feel like had they had Binner... We'd be t- mm-hmm. having a different conversation today. I agree. And I'm sick of it. And I probably won't be sick of it until after the NHL season wraps up. But it's going to sit with us for a while, this one. Only three months until camp starts. And a lot for Doug Armstrong to do in that span. Yeah. He's going to be a busy man. Yes, he is. Before we get to some of the text, you brought up the NFL and it just got me thinking, listen, I'm so ready to just come on the airwaves and scream cacaw every day. And yet... I feel like I'm getting the runaround a little bit from this this nation new version of the XFL version three, if you will. Uh, I'm a little sick of uh, of them kind of giving us the the runaround on this one. I you know let us know the cities, get some announcements going here. Let's let's get some let's get some pub going here. XFL, what are we doing here? I, I don't get it, and it's starting to really get to me. Guys, there's absolutely no doubt that Vince McMahon did a better job of at least laying the groundwork and having the the plane on the runway. Did a better job of that with Oliver Luck as his commissioner than the current group has done. Well, they really haven't done a whole lot. The current group? Yeah. No. They have their ESPN contract, and I kind of wonder if that might be their only goal, is to get a bunch of money from ESPN, show some games for a couple of years, and then move on. Maybe, because it doesn't seem like they're that concerned about the local product. No. And... At least yet. No. It'll be interesting to see if they wind up being stewards of the community like St. Louis City SC is. But that's going to be very difficult to do if the team isn't based here full time. That's true. It's it, it's a weird business plan where I, I it's almost like the NFL. I, I asked Kevin Demoff one time. He was complaining about the corporate support in St. Louis. And I said, well, you guys are terrible. Don't you think that you should be good? He said, well, you know, it's kind of a roll of the eyes. I said, so you think people should just buy your product because you're the NFL? And he said, yeah. See, I, that's why I, I've always hated this, the, the strict economical argument yeah. about ownership. It's like, no, this is the only business where people expect people to procure the product, even when it's a bad product compared to the other competitors in its market. Yeah, and that's we the only time we ask yeah, it. We don't know what the product is going to be, but I get the sense that, well, The Rock owns it, so people are going to buy tickets to see the games. Mm, not sure. Love you, Dwayne. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening to the show, because I know mm-hmm. you're streaming right now. Love you. But it's not enough for me to buy the product. Me either. No, it better be a decent product. That would be an ungodly Come on, guys. mindset. Let's get it going, XFL. Yeah. 636, sick of it. Where's the auto Porter love? He's from St. Louis also and on the Warriors. I'm a Tatum guy as well, but show a little love for Porter. Porter was more of a Sykeston guy. We didn't watch him on a day-to-day basis. He wasn't right, right down the street where Randy, when he was working for Charter, could broadcast his games. So it's different for me. Shout out to Otto, though. Awesome. Nonetheless. Yeah. Love seeing any Missouri guy. In the uh, in the NBA Finals, we just have more of a connection to Jason. Yeah, Tate. we do. Yeah, sorry, Sykes might be a little bit outside. And by the way, Otto Porter isn't saying St. Louis Rams and wearing St. Louis shoes, Lou Brock shoes and stuff. He's also not one of the faces of these NBA Finals. Right. Jason Tatum has a has an Air Max ninety seven with like St. Louis like three one four like mm-hmm. design all over it, yeah, and I amazing. had no idea. And I'm like, I need to find that shoot and get it. Three one four or sorry, six one eight. I'm thinking of Tarasenko not a- having to answer questions pregame, postgame, and postseason. 
That was one of the reasons that I had difficulty understanding why he wanted to be captain. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what I was going to say. First thing is that you need to be available all the time when he was injured. So that made no sense. Secondly, I could not see him being the type that wanted to deal with the media that much the way Ryan O'Reilly has to. Right. And Petro and Bacchus before him. That's just part of the job. Love it or hate it. It's part of the job. And I know there's fans out there that say, oh, the media doesn't matter. Well, the media is the conduit to the fans. Mm -hmm. And Ryan O'Reilly right now is the face of, the spokesman for the St. Louis Blues players. That's the job of the captain, that and talking to the officials. And he might not like it every day. I wouldn't like it every day if I had to do it, but he does it. And I just don't get the sense that historically, based on his history, that Vladdy would enjoy that. No. And for people that say the media doesn't matter, well, that's still part of his job description yep. as the captain. Right. Randy, will you be available for questions post-show? Uh, yes, I will. I have to go buy some dog food. But yeah, I will be later. Look at that. That's, cap- that's a captain's mentality right there. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I'm sick of Corey Dickerson. I think that's reasonable. And nice I catch out in left field. I'm with you. I I think he's probably, I haven't spoken to him, but my guess is he's probably just a swell individual. But at the same time, let's get that latest uh, OPS, shall we? Because it's rather unimpressive, at least last I saw. Uh, yeah, 453 OPS. Mm-hmm. When you have a 238 on base and a 215 slug, 215 slug when you are hired to be a power hitter, eh, not the answer. No. He does have, by the way, uh, he does have three doubles. Not a home run yet, but three doubles. I mean, that's literally half of what you expected his slugging percentage. I'm thinking whoever's back first between Carlson and O'Neill, and it'll probably be Carlson, I'm guessing that that will spell the end of Corey Dickerson's Cardinal tenure. Oh, we knew him when. Uh, I'm sick of Amazon leaving packages in weird places and then saying that they're handed directly to oh, me. Oh, totally. Michelle. <laughs> Totally. I don't understand why they don't bring it to the door all the time. And I know that there's different drivers and different routes likely. And, you know, sometimes they might be on a time crunch. But I got a notification that one was delivered and I looked outside my door. It was not there. I go outside later that day. I see it tucked behind some bushes. Hmm. How? What? Why? Why? What was the thought process behind, instead of taking two extra steps and laying it on the doorstep, I'm going to stick it in between these bushes? Good question. I just can't understand. But Uh, shout out to the Amazon people who are working nonstop. And I was going to say, I have never had an experience that I would deem negative with Amazon. Not one negative experience. And I I think all of us now, right? Everybody uses Amazon all the time. Now, I do think that they should pay taxes because they're driving up and down every single road in America, and that's probably taking a toll on our roadways. That's a different story altogether. But in terms of my interactions commercially with Amazon, in terms of being a consumer, I've never had one negative experience with them. And I'm sure I will, but not yet. Yeah, Honestly, everything else has been great. Any returns I need to make, Mm -hmm. super easy. Prime, thank you for being so quick all the time. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is I can't understand the thought process between... 
Instead I get of it. putting it on the doorstep, tucking it in the bushes. Just leaving it right there. Yeah, it seems simple. What we're talking about retail, just God bless the return policies becoming so much more lax oh, over the last five by years. By the way, <laughs> it's amazing. A, a lot of people texting in saying Porsche Pirates. Maybe they were trying to protect, protect my package. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you, BLIS, because I hadn't considered that, and you may be correct. Mm-hmm. So thank you, maybe, to Amazon for tucking it thank in between you, the bushes. Maybe. From the 419, sick of STL crying about a guy getting hurt while playing hockey. Maybe you all should watch some dancing. Well, I used to watch dancing. With the stars? Mm-hmm. Back in the day when Kurt Warner was doing it. Nice. Um, People get injured dancing as well. Jerry, so, Jerry looked fantastic, Jerry Rice, and I wasn't surprised. So here's the thing. And where is that uh, the area code again? The 419? From the 419. Thank Stand you very by. much again for tuning in. But here's the thing. And we, we are fine. We're just saying that the Blues would have won had they had their guy. And it was a rather untoward and unexpected injury, seeing as the player that wound up causing the injury was behind a Blues player and had to pass up that Blues player to dive into the net area. And who has a laundry list of prior infractions. Yeah. So that's it. And uh, hopefully the uh, your NHL team in Ohio doesn't suffer the same fate. Uh, thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. And coming up next, we've got Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle Smallman, Matthew Rocchio, and Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And uh, Michelle, last night the U.S. men's national team played in Cincinnati against Morocco, a tune-up as they get ready for the World Cup. And uh, the American fans were not really intense, the Cincinnati fans not intense as they watched the game at 2 2- TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. And after the game, Christian Pulisic, one of the stars of the uh, USA team, said, uh, I was able to come a bit wider and deeper and get to the ball because of the way they were playing against us. And he said, I wish that the fans would have gone a little bit crazier. Take it or leave it. Regardless of where the U.S. men's national team is playing in America, the U.S. fans should be intense. Take it. I think so. Uh, they would be intense here. They would have gone crazy here in St. Louis, right? Oh, absolutely. But this is our national team supporting yeah. our country. Yeah. You would think that there would be more fans there to support them. Yeah. Here is uh, Pulisic talking about the fans and the fan support in Cincinnati. The amount of America. Yeah, it was nice. To be honest, uh, for whatever reason, I'm not super happy with the... Uh... The amount of Americans here, however, that works out, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but uh, it's thanks to the ones who did come, and uh, the support is always great from them. Um, but, yeah, it's nice to be back in America and playing again. you got to fill it up with Americans. Can't have a bunch of Moroccan flags. But we always talk about soccer and its popularity in this country and how it's a growing sport and how we think that it's gaining traction, and then something like this happens mm-hmm. where our national team is playing and they don't have the stands filled. And I think it's, well, first of all, 
USA Soccer needs to be in the right places. Maybe Cincinnati isn't the right place to have that team playing. Now, it is America's team, but if you go to Cincinnati or if you go to Chicago, if you go to St. Louis, if you go to Charlotte even, you're going to get great fan support for the U.S. team. Maybe they just didn't pick the right city at this particular time. But you would like to think that any you know, major-ish city in America would have people driving right, from would, all over yeah. or flying in to watch a game like that. I don't disagree with Pulisic at all. Pulisic? Pulisic, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't disagree with him about this. Yeah, I think there are some people, uh, the, the general consensus I saw is that a lot of people are bothered that so many friendlies like that keep happening in the middle of the country, which, again, usually I would just chalk up to people being weird on the coasts, but I actually kind of buy it. You know, there's a lot of games that do get played in Ohio and, and you know, here in Missouri and things like that. And so I would kind of understand maybe trying to attack that. Those are the parts where a lot of the MLS has been attacking for years. That makes sense. Yep. Okay, Randy. So the Cardinals don't look now after sweeping the Padres have begin a, g- gone on. Excuse me, a bit of a run here. They've won five of six games. They open up a five-game set versus the Chicago Cubs in Chicago today. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals take four of five from the Cubs. Michelle, I'm going to have to leave that. Three of five sweep. Oh, you think it's a sweep? It's a sweep of the hapless Cubs. I just know that it's hard to sweep. Any series, especially a five-game series, especially versus a hated rival, which is why I went four or five. But yeah. they're hot. Right and that now. guy Keenan Thompson has been pretty good. Who pitches against Keegan? Keegan. Uh, there you go. Right. He's got like a twenty-year career. You don't. You see, see guys usually have that kind of run. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, I'll be serious here. Yeah, I think that uh, the Cardinals can win four out of five. I think they will win four out of five. Now they have to. Win some pitching battles. Uh, Michaelis against Marcus Stroman tomorrow at 120. And then the Cardinals have to kind of figure out who they're going to pitch in the doubleheader on Saturday. But with the way the offense is performing, I think they'll be fine. Here's an easy one for you right off the bat. Take it or leave it. Goldie hits at least one on a Waveland Avenue this weekend. Take it. Take it. I mean, easy. Yeah. He'll do that before the weekend, I have a feeling. Uh, take it or leave it. Ryan O'Reilly wears the C and a blue note until he retires. I'm going to take that. I'll take that too. Absolutely take it. Seems like the extension would be in the in the works here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just, you know, maybe. I'm just saying. Take it or leave it. The Cardinal will have two of their young players finish top five in Rookie of the Year, including one of them winning it. That's where you leave it. Because I'm pretty sure yeah. the NL MVP is going to, or NL Rookie of the Year is going to be so hey. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. But who would our two guys be? Gorman top- and... You pass? Yeah, I would. I would think so. Although Donovan's, yeah, doing I'm, great too. Yeah, it just seems like Yepes is going to keep you in the at bats. I mean, you're not going to have both Carlson and O'Neill probably busting him out of the lineup. Yeah, that's true. That's that would. I mean, I would like it if that happened. The Cardinals would be an even better team if that happened. But I just can't see it actually happening that way. Take it or leave it. It is the it is Rocky Road National Rocky Road Ice Cream Day. That mm. is the best flavor of ice cream. Leave it. I have to leave it. That was, Rocky that was emphatic, it, Michelle. It's Absolutely. Overrated. It's, it's, Great no, name, it, overrated. It's top five. No. It's fantastic. Oh, oh no. Oh There's God. disagreement no. on the dais. Top five. Does it beat Moose Tracks? No. Absolutely does it not. beat Cookie Dough? No. no. Does but it then, beat Plain Vanilla? No. Yes. Does it beat Plain Vanilla with chocolate syrup? No. Yes, it does. Come on, guys. Not with chocolate syrup. We put some chocolate syrup on some Rocky Road? Ooh. That's that's putting a hat on a hat. 
There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Putting a hat on a hat. There's no doubt in my mind that it's top five. Mm. Now, can I put it at number one? No. Congratulations, by the way, to Rocky Road on having National Rocky Road Ice Cream Day. Yeah, shout out to you. Today's your day. Yeah. So I'm not going to denigrate you at all. I Rocky am. Road. Okay, so give me the five that are ahead. Vanilla? Vanilla is the best because it's the perfect base. You build around vanilla. It's a foundational piece. Whereas with, you could put anything on top of vanilla ice cream. Whereas with Rocky Road. Your favorite color, white? It's just, uh, it's fine. You know what I can't... Here's the thing with Rocky Road, Michelle. You don't have to put anything on it at all. It's delicious and it's got all kinds of different textures and flavors. It's great. Okay. I would say... Cookie dough is better. I agree with that. I would say Oreo is better. Uh, no, I never order Oreo. Well, that's a mistake on your part. I would say that, as you mentioned, moose tracks, which I don't know if that's a national thing or just kind of a local deal, but it's Either anything way. with Reese's peanut butter cups in it is going to get up there. Thank you. Like I said, I'm going pure, pure vanilla ice cream is the Paul Goldschmidt of the ice cream community. Okay, it's consistent. It's always good. It's never going to make it about themselves. Always about the teammates. You're going to let the topping shine the way Paul Goldschmidt lets his team shine. But it's consistently producing. Michelle, though, ice cream is not an MLB player. Ice cream is the NBA. Ice cream, I want him to be flashy. I want ice cream to be dunking on me. That's what I want ice cream to yeah. be doing. And that's why Schnook's Turtle Tracks is mm-hmm. the only ice cream in the world. If, if every ice cream in the world disappeared from the planet except for Schnook's Turtle Tracks, I would be completely fine with the world. Wow. I mean, well, it's, it's vanilla, fudge swirl, and, and Reese's peanut, and, and peanut yeah. butter cups. What yeah. else do you need? That, no, that's, it's, the, it's, that's, that's the food groups. Yeah. Right. It's great. Vanilla. <laughs> I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by this. It's There's Paul a lot Goldschmidt. of people who believe this. She's yeah. not alone in this one. There are some strong vanilla as just like a simple flavor is the best. Now, one. I don't dislike vanilla by any stretch of the imagination, but vanilla seems just kind of vanilla. Have you ever had vanilla bean ice cream? That's, I have. That's the... Amazing. Yeah. What's the difference, really? I mean, if, if you can make vanilla bean ice cream that's better than vanilla ice cream why wouldn't you just make all vanilla ice cream be vanilla bean because ice cream? it's harder to do because you have to crack open the bean and and do it in real time basically price points randy price points oh okay i, I didn't know i thought the vanilla came from vanilla beans i thought it was simple you don't really want to know where vanilla flavor thing comes from by the way rocky road is not good because chocolate ice cream is the base and chocolate ice cream is so gross chocolate what? ice cream is great Did you say chocolate, chocolate then ice why gross? are all of the great ice creams that we're talking about whether it's cookie dough moose tracks etc made with vanilla ice cream and not with chocolate because vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate and everybody knows that including your ice cream manufacturers well here's the thing michelle when i go to get my special at Fritz's. I get it with chocolate ice cream. If I have the choice, I'm going chocolate. I can't imagine that there are many people out there. I mean, Reese's peanut butter cups aren't made with vanilla. They're made with chocolate and peanut butter. But they're put into vanilla ice cream. Isn't chocolate ice cream all made like they do at Ted Drew's, which is just, it's vanilla as the base mixed with a chocolate. Whatever they do, it's not good. That's what, that's what I, I mean, Ted Drew's, I think they're their best thing is a simple chocolate because it's vanilla Mm. with some, you know, that extra little flavor. I don't know. It's Hershey, Pennsylvania. I mean, you don't have any towns that smell like vanilla. But that is actual chocolate, not chocolate ice cream. Some things just don't translate. The flavor profile of actual chocolate does not translate to chocolate ice cream. Whoa. So then why do we bother putting chocolate in vanilla? I don't know why people do that. Why why are you talking about making chocolate ice cream? No, but why why would you add 
like chocolate as an accoutrement. Because that type of chocolate is different. So if you added, if somebody presented you with a plain scoop of vanilla ice cream or a hot fudge sundae, are you rolling with the sundae with the chocolate yeah, on course. top? Yeah, of course. Yeah, duh. I was confused yeah. for a moment. Team so. Vanilla all the way. Chocolate ice cream. 64780 if you're Team Vanilla. We've got to have a poll here. No, 314. There go, Michelle. Hashtag Team Vanilla. There's 618. Team vanilla. Come on, Randy. Chocolate ice cream way down on the list. What? Thank you, people. I can't believe people don't like Rocky Road. I I wonder when National Vanilla Ice Cream Day is. Every day. 636 Rocky Road yeah. is the cadre of ice cream. Mm. Vanilla is kind of like Sam Bradford. No, it's Paul Goldschmidt. It is. Vanilla does kind of seem like the Captain Checkdown of the ice cream world, doesn't vanilla it? Vanilla is, is, to me. Sam Bradford's Rocky Road. Vanilla is like, Rocky Road. Vanilla is 50%. <laughs> vanilla is like the essence of mediocrity. No, it's the base layer. It's every you. It is the franchise player that you build around. But with Rocky Road, you don't have to. With Rocky Road, Rocky Road you, is you, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> no, Rocky Road is Manny Machado. Maybe it's got all the things that you Can't need play with already. You, you don't have to. You, you don't have to build around Rocky Road because it's already a superstar. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's Russell Westbrook. You think it's a superstar, and it does not translate anywhere you try to have it. Wow, the vanilla contingent in the fan base right now is unbelievably strong. I'm, you know what? I'm shocked right now. The 314, it has a great, or excuse me, the 605 says vanilla, baby, it goes with anything. Pie, cake, it's the foundation. Thank you. You can add it to any sort of dessert. When you're getting a cookie skillet, and they put a big plop of ice cream in the middle, it's not chocolate ice cream. It's vanilla. But that's the thing. Vanilla needs something to make it decent. No, it makes everything around it so better. It's have, the Paul Goldschmidt. It's so, the force multiplier. So do you eat vanilla? Uh, like, do you go in to a, a store and get a quart of vanilla ice cream and just eat it plain? Oh, I could easily. No doubt. See, uh, you could eat it solo. You could add toppings on it. You could add it with any see, sort of I, dessert. I, I want things that you don't have to add toppings on. I want something that's already spectacular by the time I take it out of the carton. So rock your own. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cards and Cubs go at it over the weekend, and the Cardinals seem to have a little bit of an, a, a historical advantage over the Cubbies. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Michelle, since the turn of the century, since 2000, the Cardinals have had a couple of losing seasons. Actually, three. They had 03. They had 2000. Uh, 7-2008, the Cubs have been amazing. So in 2000, they finished 6th. Then they won the division in 03. Then they went back to 6th. Then they won the division in 07 and 08. And then they fell back and they went into their rebuild and then hired Theo. And then they win the World Series. And now, uh, in the last year, they've finished 4th last year and they're in 4th place this year. And over the course of that time, 21 years now, the Cardinals have made the playoffs 15 times, the Cubs 8. The Cardinals have four World Series appearances, the Cubs won. It really is interesting that the Cubs have been on such a roller coaster ride over the course of really much longer than the last 21 years. But if you just look at the success of the Cardinals in this particular century, it's remarkable how different these two franchises have been. 
Yeah, one has been up and down, up and down, up and down, and the other has been steadily consistent. And um, that's what happens, though, Randy, when you don't win for a really long time and you're trying to find the right formula in which to win. And I think sometimes about that Cubs World Series and how had they not had that rain delay, what if they Mm -hmm. didn't win? What if they didn't win that? And then all of the ups and downs and everything that you had sacrificed in order to get that championship were for nothing. And and they did win. But I just, it's, it has, is remarkable to compare and contrast the Cardinals and the Cubs and see how one organization in a much smaller market, by the way, has been able to have such sustained success and put Hall of Fame players on the field while bringing up mm-hmm. young new talent from their, from their farm system, while the other has been up and down, up and down, captured one championship and then is is back trying to rebuild again. I wonder if, and maybe somebody in Chicago knows, we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN later, if the rain delay doesn't occur and if the Jason Hayward speech doesn't take place and the Cubs don't win that World Series, I wonder if the Ricketts family would have felt more desperation to win a World Series or if they were just good with going to a World Series, if they would have kept the group together tried harder for a longer time to have that franchise succeed over a longer period of time. I would think that you would have to put the foot on the gas. If you know you're that close, if you're a rain delay away, if they would have lost, and your fan base was so engaged and they had been so desperate to win, I don't think you have any other option other than to continue to go for it at that point. And I also think that the Cardinals' desire to have continuity, and I know if we ask Right now, for text to the uh, text line, do you hate John Mozeliak? Yes or no, we'll get 5 million yes texts. <laughs> but here's the thing. The Cardinals have had continuity during those 22, 21 years. They've only had two people essentially making personnel decisions, right? It's been Walt and it's been Mo, And the Cubs have been through multiple managers, multiple general managers in that time. There's something to be said for having a plan and build a way. How often every year when we have build a way on, he says, I like having stars. Yes. And so that's part of it. Having that, the, the desire to have stars on your team because stars are good players. Good players help you win. So that's part of it. And then having, a plan that you have somebody that you trust that carries out. That's why you're competitive every year. But isn't it so indicative of just how hard it is to win that the Cardinals have had this much success Mm -hmm. throughout this span? And we're talking about all the inconsistencies that the Cubs have experienced and the Cardinals have won one more World Series than they have in that span. Yeah, and the fact that the Cubs had to spend wildly and get into a top three or four payroll situation where the Cardinals are, to their credit, they're 10th or 11th or 12th every year, even though they're in the number 22 market. But yeah, it's remarkable that the Cubs have had the difficulty maintaining a level of consistency. And by the way, I think they could have done it and spent a whole lot less money if they would have just taken the approach. I'm surprised more teams just don't take the Cardinals approach. The one team that does take the Cardinals approach, by the way, is the L.A. Dodgers. And they're just in a bigger market with yep. a bigger checkbook. Right. That, but that's if you if you want to find a mirror for what the Cardinals are doing right now, aside from the fact that they spend a lot more money, it's the Dodgers. And Stan Kasten, their president, said, we, 2013 in the playoffs, I think, standing in the Dodgers dugout before a playoff game, somebody said, what do you want this franchise to be? It's right after the new ownership had bought it. It might have been 12. And he just points across into the Cardinals dugout. He said, that's the model over there. Yeah. People mock the Cardinal way, but how many organizations have tried to build their own version of the Cardinal way? Right. 
That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, St. Louis City SE Sporting Director Lutz Fonensteel. STL City has a lot going on. He'll tell us about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. It has been a busy time and will be a busy time now for Lutz Fonensteel until St. Louis City SC gets things going in March of 2023. But Lutz, the Director of Sport for St. Louis City SC, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Lutz, always good to talk to you. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, and uh, we're excited about the moves that uh, your your squad is making. You signed a Swedish defender by the name of uh, Joachim Nielsen. Tell us about him. Yeah, you know, uh, a Swedish international, um, I think in the best age, uh, prime age now for a defender. Uh, just finished his season in the Bundesliga where he played before he played in Sweden. And, yeah, he's today in the squad also for the Swedish national team who plays the, the Nations League, I think, against Slovenia tonight. Um, yeah, really excited because, uh, you know, I always speak about rebuilding a spine, rebuilding that um, that important uh, center spine of the squad. And with Spurki, uh from Switzerland, from Dortmund, is the goalkeeper, center forward is Klaus we have. And now that center back um, was a key position for us to fill especially getting a left-footed centre-back, which will be a leader on and off the field, a very important voice also in the changing room to lead the youngsters. So uh, definitely for us uh, a very, very important signing, and um, I think he will play a key role uh, in in, in St. Louis. Lutz, you mentioned that he's playing right now with his national team. When do you expect him to come to St. Louis and join City SC? Well, the Nations League is going to finish, I think, in the middle of June, so they still have a few games to play. So um, the other players I expect in very early July, I think, with Joachim, because he plays uh, three and a half to four weeks longer than all the other players, he will come a little bit later, but uh, towards the the end of July, he also uh, should come here with his family. That sounds great. Looking forward to having him here in town. Now, when you're having these conversations with European players and players who've played in the Bundesliga or other big um, soccer entities, how do you convince them that the MLS is a place for them to be and specifically that St. Louis is a place for them to be? You know, I think uh, the MLS at the moment speaks a lot for itself because the league has changed uh, so much in the last seven, eight years. Uh, it, it's gone a long way away from uh, from the league with the big older names uh, uh, where lots of PR players uh, um, being here in the last breath of their career. Now, I think it's a very attractive league. It's on the way to be one of the top leagues in the world, especially with the World Club, uh, World Cup coming in 2026. And... Yeah, I mean, so far, to be honest, uh, when we have our talks with the players and uh, we show them our plan, especially here in St. Louis with our stadium, with the training facility, with a long-term plan, uh, where we want to be and what we want to achieve, uh, and also with our, our values of the club, I think um, uh, it, it really works out well. I mean, it's not a, a big deal that we have to convince the players. It's more uh, tell them about uh, how we feel, what we want to stand for, what we want to do. And uh, I think... Uh, which is a very, very important part for us is that the people we sign are not just good players, they're good people, good leaders. Uh, you know, they, they fit into that, what uh, what we want to stand for as a club. And that so far 
worked out really well. And uh, well, there is pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's a few more to come in the next few weeks. You know, Lutz uh, City Two has been playing since March. Another match on Saturday for City Two. How have things gone with uh, with that squad? Well, it's a nice mix between uh, uh, very young players from the academy. You know, born in two six, born in uh, 05. So that uh, that that's really youngsters. But then we also got a few, a uh, little bit more experienced players with college background in, and also a big group of uh, St. Louisans, which is, I think is a very important part, especially at that development league. Well, I would say uh, five wins, uh, uh, two losses, one draw. We started off pretty well, uh, looking also that we didn't really spend. A lot of money on that. Uh, on that, we, we we looked at the talented players, at uh, at players which help us in the future. So that's pretty promising. And playing now against Houston, uh, which is one of the top teams uh, on the weekend, it's another challenge, you know. Um, and I think uh, we are still in a very very good position to maybe make the playoffs. Something which we didn't really expect, to be honest. Um, and now having that, uh, I will call it privilege, that the European boys coming in very soon, and they also will be able to play some of the games in the MLS Next Pro, uh, will make us uh, even stronger. But we have to remember that uh, from next year onwards, this is our development team, this is our talent squad, this is what we want to play our youngsters to give them the first sniff of professional football. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great, great league and a great team for us to have to make that bridge between academy football and professional football. Luch, you talked about building the spine of your team and bringing in these players that you have up to this point. Are there some particular attributes that you're looking for in players that you want to bring to City SC? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, you know, it's the, uh, I would say the positions are, of course, extremely important. Uh, we only have uh, eight uh, foreign spots available, so I think we have to be very thoughtful uh, where we where we use them. Um you know, I mean, the level of football, the, the quality on the field is, of course, uh, one of the most important things. But again, uh, you can find lots of good players uh, who don't have the right character to really to, to, to fit into our way. And uh, when I, I always like to use the word, the big time Charlie word, which, which means for me, uh, we don't want to have that. Uh, we know we are a Midwestern team. We know we want to be out there to play as a unit, to play as a team. So that superstar player who doesn't really care about the rest, who is an individual thinker, is not what fits into my mentality and the club's mentality. So we want to have a team, a real team spirit, uh, a city spirit, and that's how we also select the players. Um, and, of course, if the quality on the field and the quality off the field is good, then I, I see us having a very, very, um, uh, well, I would call it a well-chelled squad uh, once we kick off. Lutz, how exciting is it for you? And you've been here now for better than a year, and you, you've seen the stadium go up. You're seeing now, you're, you talk to your ticket people, and season ticket sales are happening. You, you're literally building this from the ground up. How exciting has this been? Well, you won't believe it. I'm nearly here now for two years, which uh, wow. actually I <laughs> don't believe, you know, the time is flying. So, yeah, I mean, when I came, uh, we didn't have a goal. We had no ball. We had no net. We had uh, literally uh, um, a laptop uh, and lots of white pieces of paper where we really started to build everything from scratch. I mean, the stadium is an absolute uh, beauty. You know, I mean, uh, I, I know you guys were down there, and when you drive past, it's just something something wonderful, like, uh, like Pandora's box, like really, really beautiful. And uh, uh, if you're going uh, over the street and you're moving over to the training facility, 
I mean, that's where the players will spend most of their time. That is where the coaches spend most of their time. And I was there last week to look into my office or my future office. And it will be uh, definitely something really special, having that opportunity to have a training facility right next to a stadium in a city center. That's very, very unique. And, yeah, I think uh, once we're moving in there and once all the teams training together there and, and you know, and we're spending our working days there together, mm-hmm. I think, again, that will give us even more of a team spirit and, and working together. If people haven't been downtown and driven by the stadium, I really encourage you to do so because you won't believe how much progress has been made. And as Lutz said, it's absolutely stunning. But Lutz, one more question for you about Joachim Nilsson. I was reading Tom Timmerman's piece in the Post-Dispatch last night about this acquisition, and I know that you had some Blues players come in and help you explain to uh, Joachim just what the St. Louis sports experience was like. So can you share with us how that process unfolded? Yeah, it's kind of a funny one. You know, I'm, I'm, I really like hockey and I grew up in a, in, a, in a German area where hockey is also important, not as important, as good as here, but still be trying. Um, and uh, I, I know actually uh, um, Oskar Sundqvist very well. Like uh, we are we actually friends by now. And uh, when, when I started to talk to Joachim, it, it was like an idea uh, we had. Let's just really, uh, you know, put them together, put the, the, the Swedish boys together to talk about the, the culture here, to talk about sports, to talk about the people in the stadium, to talk about how much St. Louis loved their professional sports team. And uh, yeah, actually, Oscar was talking to uh, Joachim and also Steen was talking to him. And uh, I think it definitely made his decision uh, even even easier because he knows if uh, the hockey player is feeling really welcome here with the families and they're feeling home here after a few years, then this is a good place to be. So uh, I'm really thankful to uh, to the Blues that they, they helped us there and especially also to, to Steen and Sundqvist that they, you know, they invested the time to get another fellow country Swede uh, over to St. Louis. Lutz, one final thing. Are you still pursuing more players from Europe, more Bundesliga players or more players that uh, uh, will make their way to St. Louis? Can we expect more during the course of the summer? Well, you know, I mean, we have five now. We have uh, eight foreign places. So I always said uh, we're trying to to get as many filled as possible by the end of the summer, by the end of the European transfer window, or maybe also by the South American window. So, um, yeah, I do plan a little bit of traveling again in the next few weeks and and a few talks. Uh, Nothing really uh, confirmed yet, but uh, we still have a few important positions to fill. If you're looking at the spine, there is still a few little holes in it. so yeah, we're going to we're going to work on that, and you know it's not it's not about the Bundesliga, and it's not about about that. It's more about uh, do they fit into our playing style and our philosophy, and we do have also with Bradley, a coach who, who played in the Bundesliga for a long time, so he knows that kind of playing style and mentality as well. Um, yeah, I mean, let's see what's happening the next few weeks, but I'm pretty confident that we will have a chat like that again in the near future. Always good to talk to you, sir. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Lutz Fahnenstiel, Director of Sport for St. Louis City SC. Joachim Nielsen, the newest member of St. Louis City SC. And welcome to St. Louis to Joachim. But how cool is that, that we always talk about the 
teams in town being Team STL, Mm -hmm. but they really are. They all want one another to have success and to think that the Blues and Alexander Steen and Oscar Sundquist would be working with Lutz to help explain to Joachim what the St. Louis sports experience will be like and how he's going to love it here, I just think is so cool. Yeah, and as Lutz mentioned, they've got five foreign players, they've got eight slots, so expect three more additions over the course of the summer. They don't start playing until next March, but Nielsen's going to come in in July and start playing with City too. So that'll be cool. We'll get an opportunity to see some of our MLS guys playing with City too. Matthew? And I think I think he said Berkey, the goalie from mm-hmm. Bundesliga, and uh, Klaus, who's the um, striker from Argentina, I believe they're both going to be here in July as well. I think they're going to be playing with the MLS Next Pro. So, I mean, mul- so getting to see multiple pro players, you know, eight months before they actually are in uniform... I, I, I can't imagine actually getting to watch that. I mean, this is a very unique thing, and I think really in professional sports when you look at it. For us to see a franchise literally grow from the ground up, people that were here for the start of the Blues got a chance to see that. But when's the last time we had a team where it was an established league and we got to see it from the ground up? We missed out on our chance with what became the Jaguars, would have been the Stallions in the NFL. So this is a unique opportunity for sports fans. It is, so get on board now. No better time than now. No doubt about it. The fight coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. We have a good fight on deck today. A returning fighter is joining us. Drew beat Randy yesterday, and he beat him four to two. Drew got all four correct. Randy only getting two correct. So you know he's going to come back today with a vengeance. But Drew is here to defend his title. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Good, Michelle. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Yesterday you told me you were 100% confident and 100% ready to take on Randy. Indeed, you were. You got four correct. How are you feeling today? Same thing today. 100% ready. 100p. Writing this down. All right, Drew. Well, good luck to you. Hopefully, we're talking to you again tomorrow because if you win today, you have a chance at the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Let's go. All right, question number one for Drew. On this day in 2010, MLB umpire Jim Joyce missed what would have been the final out in this Tigers pitcher's perfect game bid. Was it Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, or Armando Galarraga? Armando Galarraga. Happy birthday to Blues executive and NHL Hall of Famer Larry Robinson. Including his time as a player, coach, scout, and executive, how many times has Larry Robinson's name appeared on the Stanley Cup? Is it 10, 8, or 6? Let's go with 6. Question number 3. It's also former St. Louis Ram and Super Bowl champion Andy McCollum's birthday. HBD to him. What team did he play for before joining the Rams in 1999? Was it the Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, or the New York Giants? Oh. Andy McCollum. Let's go with Let's go with oh, Let's go with the Packers. 
In yesterday's 3-0 win for the United States men's national team, Kristen Pulisic recorded his 10th career assist for the red, white, and blue, becoming the fastest player to reach 20 goals in the 10 assist mark in United States men's national team history. He beat out this World Cup hero by one game to get to that mark, 49 games to 50. Was that Clint Dempsey, Josie Altidore, or Landon Donovan? Mm, good options there. We'll go with Landon Donovan. Score check confirmed. Waving in Randy, who's buried in his phone. Oh, it looks like he's making a phone call. Jury's still at 100%? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one got you? Uh, well, maybe all of them. After, well, the first one I know I got, but after that, it's kind of coin flip. Well, we'll see how you did here in a second. Randy, say good morning to Drew. You remember him he beat you yesterday. Drew, good morning. How you doing? Good to have you with us. Thanks, Randy. How you doing today? Terrific. Thanks. Yesterday, Drew said he was 100% confident, mm-hmm. and then he went on to beat you 4-2. Mm-hmm. I asked him today where his confidence was. He said again at 100%. Where's your confidence today? I don't know. I haven't been asked the questions yet. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't either. Before the questions, he said yeah. he's 100% confident. You never know with Matthew. You do. I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. You never know where the questions will lead you. No. And let me tell you, Randy, they are all over the map today. So are there any gotchas? I don't think he so. He loves those. I do think there will be some that might be tough, but <laughs> I think you'll know three or four. Okay, we'll three see. Three or four for sure. And I think maybe on four, you'll use the lifeline and get it. That's okay. my prediction, okay? <laughs> on this day in 2010, MLB umpire Jim Joyce missed what would have been the final out in this Tigers pitcher's perfect game bid. Who was it? Armando Galarraga. I like what you did there with the name. Uh, happy birthday to Blues executive and NHL Hall of Famer Larry Robinson, including his time as a player, coach, scout, and executive. How many times has Larry Robinson's name appeared on the Stanley Cup? It's either 11 or 12. I think with the Blues it was the 11th. So, uh, well... Yeah, because he got a couple with the Devils. Obviously won the won a bunch with the Canadians. I'll go with eleven. Also happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and Super Bowl champion Andy McCollum. What team did he play for before joining the Rams in nineteen ninety-nine? So he left for the Lions. Who did they sign Andy? Oh, he, I think he was a Saint. I think he was a New Orleans Saint. In yesterday's 3-0 win for the United States men's national team, Kristen Pulisic notched his 10th career assist for the red, white, and blue. He became the fastest player to reach 20 goals and 10 assists in his United States men's national team career, and he did it in 49 games. That beats this World Cup hero by one game to that mark. Who is that World Cup hero he beat to it? Okay, so I'm, I've am i got a name, and if he shows up on the lifeline, I'll do it. So I'll, let's just do the lifeline here. All right, is it Clint Dempsey? Josie Altidore or Landon Donovan? I was going to go Landon Donovan. <sighs> this was such a close fight. <laughs> so close. Final score, three to two. Did Drew beat Randy twice in a row? Is he coming back tomorrow for a chance at the Hall of Fame? Or did Megamind do what Megamind does and stop people in their tracks? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby.
So close, Drew. It came down to the final question. You guys were tied at two, but then Randy Randy got question number four. Let's run through them. So on this day in 2010, Jim Joyce missed what would have been the final out and Armando Galarraga's perfect game bid. Yikes. Larry Robinson, happy birthday to him. Mm-hmm. Well, what a career. His name has appeared on the Stanley Cup 10 times. 10 times. 10 times, not 11. Six times as a player, three times as a coach, and one time as a scout slash executive. Before Andy McCollum joined the Rams in 99, also shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, Hi, your, Andy. enjoy your birthday, Andy. His birthday as well. He was a member of the New Orleans Saints. And in yesterday's 3 nothing win for the U.S. men's national team, Christian Pulisic notched his 10th career assist for the U.S., becoming the fastest player to reach the 20-goal, 10-assist mark in U.S. men's national team history, beating out Landon Donovan by just one game. Randy used the lifeline. He got it correct. Drew, great fight both days. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks for having me. Great job, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great having you with us. And by the way, if Landon Donovan had not been on that list, I don't know where I would have gone. Just throw a dart. Uh, yep, that's exactly what it was. So I, you were so close on number two. I knew that you basically knew at 10, 11, yeah. you got it right. So I knew one through three, you'd be good. I had a feeling you'd use a lifeline on number four. That was yeah. my prediction. So, yeah, Lado, he's... He, uh, he's... L- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's retired now. He can no. do it. No. <laughs> Lado? Play-Doh, Lado-Doh. Yeah. <laughs> L.A. Landon. No, see, yeah, dude, no. he played for the Galaxy. You should call him L.A. Doe. No, Lado. You guys, these are so terrible. Let's just (laughs) stop it. Uh, He's a World Cup hero. Call him by his government name, Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan, okay. Uh, Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some hockey with uh, J. Rue. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinionated and proud of it. This is Carriker and Smallman live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Our Blues Insider from The Athletic is Jeremy Rutherford, who's with us now on the Broad and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Arca and Emsma, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Everything's good. Yeah, I wanted to know if you, uh, that was going to be my first question. Are you on board with uh, with Jeru? <laughs> yeah, we can, we can go with that. <laughs> All right, we can go with that. Uh, a lot to unpack after the loss to the Avalanche last Friday. Jr., I find it very interesting, and you know because you've been covering this team for a long time, and you get a lot of emails and tweets, and it seems to focus on one player all the time, right? Blues fans love to have their whipping boy, and right now it appears to be Colton Pareko. If you look big picture at Colton Pareko, fifth in the league in shots blocked this year, he was in the top 25 in minutes played, uh, and Granted, did not have a good game six and didn't have a great whole season. He had to go plus 32 after the All-Star break to, to finish at plus 16 on the season. But overall, how and it's not what we think, it's what the Blues think. How do they feel about Colton Pareko? I think they really like him, Randy. And I think uh, what, Blues, what the Blues uh, with Doug Armstrong tell you a lot of times when you have a situation like this is uh, a couple things. One is how many teams in the league would take a guy and uh, and also look at all the positives that he does. And if you look at Colton Preco, every team in the league would take him. Every team in the league would probably have him in their top pair. 
And then you look at his attributes, you know, and I mentioned that in the article a couple of days ago. When he's skating, there's hardly anybody like him in the league in terms of from the blue line out. So I think that uh, you got to look at his attributes, what he doesn't bring, uh, others can bring, like a Justin Falk, like a Tory Krug. But, you know, to go back to what you're saying about with Blues fans, you know, I just think that if they don't see a player living up to what they believe his true potential is, and in that case, Colton Preco hasn't, you know, you're always going to have that uh, whipping boy, and, and you're right, he, he definitely is one of them at this point. A guy who has lived up to expectations, JR, is David Perron. He is a pending free agent, and a lot of people think that getting David Perron back with the Blues should be priority number one for Doug Armstrong. If that were to happen, what do you think the deal could look like? Yeah, it's uh, you know, this is a tough one. I think it's going to get done for sure. When I say tough one, I mean, David Perron, if he wanted to go to unrestricted free agency, even though he just turned 34 years old, Michelle, you know, I think he's a guy who could still get probably five and a half, six million dollars uh, for a couple more years. He really could in the open market. But I think uh, we all know that he wants to stay here. And we heard the Blues, uh, Doug Armstrong, say a couple days ago that there's mutual interest uh, for sure. So here, here's how I see the situation. He's coming off a four year, four million dollar deal. So he's at a four million AAV right now. He's 34. You know, the Blues would probably want to give him two years. David Prawn probably would want three years. And I think if he could get that third year, they could get that cost down on AAV. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be for sure this low, but I think they could get him for $3.5 million. You know, it's less than what he's making right now. He gets that third year. He likely finishes his career in St. Louis, and everybody's happy. So with with that being the case, that would take care of one of the issues that the Blues need to take care of. The next one would be defensively, where Nick Letty obviously was really strong for the Blues down the stretch. We've mentioned before, JR, and Doug Armstrong's M.O. since he became the GM. He, he hates to give up assets, especially for something that he's not going to get anything out of. So do you think they'll make a move to try to keep Nick Letty around? Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll try. Here's the tough part. You know, as we sit here today and look at the salary cap, Randy, the Blues have about $10 million, uh, in cap space for next year. But I hardly ever go by that number. It's just kind of a, a figure, you know, to, to, to look at because that can change in a heartbeat. You can move Vladimir Tarasenko or, or whomever, and all of a sudden that changes, uh, you know, in, in a day. So all of a sudden you have different uh, space for next year. So you look at Nick Letty. He's coming off a deal where he made 5.5. You know, I wrote an article about him couple months ago and he he's not 37 38 years old because he's been in the league since he's 18 everybody thinks that you know this guy is, is an older guy he's only 31 years old mm-hmm. so so if he decides that St. Louis was a good fit and he wants to take a contract that's probably a little bit more reasonable than the 5.5 moving forward he's only 31 so he doesn't have to do that um, you know I think there's a fit here I think the Blues liked what they saw in him you know, uh, they, they feel like they could put him with Pareko. They could put him with uh, Justin Falk. Uh, so if you could you know, possibly give him extra years, too, like Doug Armstrong's done with so many players on this roster, you know, I think you could get uh, Nick Letty. Uh, but, you know, if you do look at that $10 million figure and nothing changes, it's going to be pretty hard to do Perron, Letty, do you try to get Huso done, and you have a couple restricted free agents, too. Another big question mark, JR, heading into this offseason surrounds number 91. What do you think happens with Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, tough read. It really is. And so what uh, almost a year ago we were talking about, has he played his last game as a blue? And I thought at the time that was probably uh, the case, just what had transpired. Uh, he doesn't. He, he goes on. He plays a full uh, schedule and was uh, terrific this year in the regular season. You know, had some great moments in the postseason. You know, he scored that goal in game five against Colorado that got the Blues going. He, of course, had that hat trick against uh, Minnesota 
uh, in a pivotal game five. So, uh, you know, I think it was a really good year for Vladimir Tarasenko. And then we asked Doug Armstrong a couple days ago, you know, what do you think about Vladimir Tarasenko moving forward? Will he be on the roster? And he said, I'm not at all worried about Tarasenko moving into next year. People took that two different ways. Does that mean he's going to be gone so Doug Armstrong's not worried about him? Does that mean he feels like the situation is resolved and uh, he's going to play out that final year of his contract? You know, we'll see. Um, you know, I think right now they're in, they're in that position where uh, they're going to have a conversation, you know, wait till the dust settles. I'm sure he had his exit interview a couple of days ago. Doug probably has a pretty good feel for where his mind's at. And, uh, and then as we get into the off-season weeks, I think we'll find out more about that situation. All right. So with that situation such as it is, with what we've talked about already with Perron and Letty, Jr. it's been a topic here for years. Is there a path for the Blues to acquire Matthew Kachuk this off-season? You know, it's, it's going to be made tougher by the great season. I, I think we all knew that he was going to be a you know, $9 million player. Let's just put that price tag on him for now. For the conversation, um, you know, if you get him this year, this offseason, it's going to be a situation where you give up a lot of the farm and then you give Matthew Kachuk $9 million on a contract moving forward. So to me, it looks like, you know, as much as Doug Armstrong pulls stuff out of his hat, it would be pretty difficult. I think this is going to come down to what Calgary decides, you know, of course it is, but what Calgary decides to do with the Johnny Goudreau situation with Matthew Kachuk, do they bring one back? Uh, Can they afford to bring two back? And then if Matthew Kachuk makes it known that, Hey, look, you know, you're making a risky move here. If you you think I'm coming back when I become a unrestricted free agent, you know, then Calgary is going to seriously have to look at moving them. And, you know, to answer your question, I just keep saying that I think the Blues are going to stay in the conversation. You know, are they going to be able to make the move? Are they going to be willing to give up what Calgary wants if they do it this off season? You know, I don't, I don't know, but I think that they're going to be involved in whatever transpires with Matthew Kachuk. And Jr., you talk to a lot of people. First of all, we know that Matthew bought a big, beautiful house here in St. Louis. We know that he's very close to his family. We know that he has a lot of friends here. We know that he's very comfortable in St. Louis. And we've heard since last summer that Matthew has said, look, don't bother trying to trade me because I'm not going to sign an extension. Uh, That's what we've heard is that he's going into UFA, right? It seems to to me that the guy wants to be in St. Louis. Is that the impression that you get from talking to people? Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, it's a sticky situation. You know, he's on a team. He's, you know, he's not going to come out and say, I want to be in St. Louis. But I think certainly uh, you talk to people around him. Uh, the vibe is that he would love to play in St. Louis. And I know he and Brady have talked about, you know, it'd be great one day to play together and, and be in St. Louis. But, you know, that day, if it comes, is going to be way down the road. You know, I think Blues fans, you know, like we're talking about now, are interested. Could that happen this offseason? Could it happen next year? You know, if he had to draw up a place of uh, a list of places he wanted to go, guys, St. Louis would be at the top of the list. I don't think, you know, in talking to those people that it's the only place, though. You know, Dallas would be an option. New York would be an option. Other teams, but they have cap issues as well. So, you know, wherever he goes, it's going to be a, a tight fit cap-wise. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll keep saying until a move is made that uh, I believe St. Louis would be a part of that. And, and Matthew would, would love to be uh, in this city. And my guess would be that since Doug Armstrong took over as the Blues general manager in 2009, and here we are in 2022, my guess is that he had an eye on getting both Matthew and Brady on the Blues at some point in their careers. Knowing yeah, no, you at have that point, right? So, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to believe so. And then uh, Brady signs the long-term deal uh, in Ottawa. You know, that's just too much guaranteed money to pass up when that's on the table and the chance to be the captain uh, up in Ottawa. So, uh, you know, Matthew's deal is is coming up, and he has a 100-point player this year. And, you know, part of the reason, guys, why we keep bringing his name up, you know, yeah, 99% of it is he's from St. Louis, and we watched him grow up. But I think the other big part is, gosh, does he bring that intangible that the Blues just don't have? I think what, what he – possesses both with the skill and whatever you want to call it, the agitator. Uh, you know, I, I think that's something that the Blues would relish having on their roster. He would be our version of Nazem Kadri, would he not? <laughs> he, he would definitely provide some of those attributes. Absolutely. Uh, JR, always good to have you with us. Have a fantastic weekend. We always appreciate talking to you, and uh, we will visit again soon. For sure. Thanks, guys. Talk Thanks. to you later. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, if Jason Tatum leads the side of the championship, how will that impact his legacy as a St. Louis athlete? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. In just a few moments, Jesse Rogers from ESPN is going to join us to preview Cards and Cubs. And then Curtis Francois from Worldwide Technology Raceway. Huge weekend with the NASCAR Cup Series coming to town. And Curtis is the guy that brought it here. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. But Michelle, today's big thing here on 101 ESPN, the NBA Finals start tonight. It's the Celtics and the Warriors pregame at 7 o'clock. And Jason Tatum, obviously, is leading the Boston Celtics into the Finals. And we were wondering yesterday, if Jason Tatum should lead the Celtics to the championship, would that be the greatest single-season accomplishment by a St. Louis athlete? I think it's really difficult to, to top getting to the finals, if he does, with what he's already done, with the regular season that he had and then the success that he's had in the playoffs. Well, and think about the teams that he would have to beat and the players he would have to beat to capture this championship. You would have to be have beat the Nets with KD and all of their stars. You beat Giannis and the Bucks. You beat Jimmy Butler and a, and a really good Miami Heat team. And then you would take down the Golden State Warriors, who have been the preeminent team in the NBA and is absolutely laden with stars. So I think when you look at not only the accomplishment and the fact that he's the guy on what would be a championship team, if you look at the difficult road and the stars he had to slay in order to get it, it might be there. Now, I know a lot of people are always going to look at David Freeze and say, you were down to your last strike twice in game mm-hmm. six of a World Series hometown kid at Bush Stadium. I don't know if you would have a more highly pressurized moment than that with which to succeed, but... I think if you look at the season and the championship in totality, this might be the most impressive feat for a St. Louis athlete if he wins. And in the sports, in basketball, you can carry a team. And he pretty much has carried Boston. Freeze, fortunately for him, had Chris Carpenter pitching. He had Albert Pujols on his team. He had Lance Berkman on his team. There were a lot of ancillary benefits on his team. Not that Tatum doesn't have 
really good teammates, but he is the guy, and there's no doubt about it, Matthew. I'm going to bring an outside-the-box answer because, Michelle, if you take out just you know a couple very descriptive words in your sentence, if you leave things words like beating the great, beating the champion, doing something a lot of people didn't expect, it leaves me thinking maybe you were talking about St. Louis and Leon Spence taking down <laughs> the great one, the greatest, Muhammad Ali. I mean, talk about a single achievement by a St. Louis, and he took out the greatest in Muhammad Ali one-on-one. Sure, it's a split decision. Maybe give a little, maybe take a little bit back from that. But I think that's still got to be up rush on when you talk about taking out a champion. Yeah, for one night, what he did, he's here we are 40 years later, 50 years later, and that legacy is still alive of him, Leon Spinks, beating Muhammad Ali. What about Pat Maroon, who has had a run unlike any franchise even, the, mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup playoff run and, and championship run that he's been on. If he captures another one, where does Pat Maroon's legacy rank? See, I think he's got a stellar legacy, but he'll never be thought of as the guy like Tatum will be. That to me is... He's not the face of the team. Right. That, that to me is different. Now, you can't take anything away from it because... It's not a coincidence when you win three titles in a row, like he has Blues, Lightning, Lightning, and could win four in a row. But I, I just look at Tatum in a different light. I look at Tatum as a guy who, if Boston wins this thing, he's going to be the MVP of the finals. He was the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. And if Boston wins this, I'll do respect to Smart and Brown and the other guys on that team. But we already know, don't we, that if, if Boston beats Golden State, that Jason Tatum's going to be the NBA Finals MVP. Probably. So we got some other ones, though. Yogi Berra won multiple MVP. Heck, the guy won 10 world championships. And there were years where he was otherworldly. And I would say that you have to put Yogi Berra's, some of Yogi Berra's years, and certainly totality, he's the best. You'd have to put some of those years in the mix. And uh, JJK, if you just want to look at an Olympics, mm-hmm. right, going in and winning a couple of golds and a bronze, JJK is right there at the top of the list, too. Yeah, re- representing your country is certainly um, a, a different pressure unto itself, even though Jason Tatum did win gold representing the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the Olympics, so he's in that conversation as well. Um, but I just I think about, as you said, being the number one guy, and maybe in comparison to someone like Yogi Berra, we think of it as more difficult because of the coverage that is there right now, and we know everything that Jason Tatum has had to go through, and we know the pressure that's on him. I mean, right now, I look up at first take, and it's what does Jason Tatum need to do to bring a championship home to Boston? The the pressure and the questions start and end with Jason Tatum. I mean, mm-hmm. there's certainly a lot of ways that you can look at this series, but when you're talking about X factors and reasons why the Celtics could and or should win, Jason Tatum's at the top of the list. And taking nothing away from people like Yogi Berra, but when Yogi was playing, you won the American League, you didn't have to go through any playoffs, you just went right to the World Series. I think what makes Tatum's season most impressive is what you talked about. Beating KD, beating Giannis, beating Jimmy Butler, and then you would have beaten Curry and Thompson and Draymond too. If you're able to pull that off, It's going to be hard to beat. It's one of the toughest roads you could possibly imagine. It really is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, going to talk some Cards Cubs with Jesse Rogers of ESPN. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. The Cards and Cubs open a five-game series tonight. This is a product of the lockout. Cards and Cubs would have opened the season, played early in the season, at Wrigley. So tonight, uh, you've got the Cardinals and Cubs at Wrigley. Jesse Rogers of ESPN joins us. One of our favorites here on Carricker and Smallman. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to this series. The weather is perfect for baseball in Chicago right now. Couldn't say that a month ago, but it is nice now. Well, tell me, Jesse, what you think about the Cubs so far this season. If you were going to describe their season up to this point in one word, what would it be? Scrappy. <laughs> That'd be the word I would use um, if I could uh, expand on that. Probably a, maybe a slightly better than the record would indicate. Also slightly better on offense than I thought they'd be. Um, for example, just during day games, which they play a lot of, they have the, they have the best OPS in baseball during day games. So that's a, that's a nice stat. They play a lot of day games around here. They play, what, two in this series. Um, so there's little things about them that you like. If you overlook them, they'll, they'll, they'll come up and bite you. They, they split a series here with Milwaukee. They have not been great at home in general. It's probably a little bit flukish. But scrappy, especially on offense, um, they have an igniter at the top now, Christopher Morrell. Remember that name. You're going to see him this weekend do something. He's that energy guy. Um, but also productive early games and late in games. So, like, when it matters, um, he's let off games getting on base. Like, you know, it's, it's like an 800 on base percentage, just a small sample size. But it, he's indicative of this kind of scrappy team they've become since all those power, hitter, power hitters moved on. So it's one of those things that you can beat up on the Cubs, but if you overlook them, they'll, they'll, they'll come up and bite you. I wanted to ask you about Christopher Morrell, Jesse. I'm glad that you brought him up because he seems to be really infectious, kind of a, a guy that's galvanizing the Cubs almost. Is that correct? Yeah, he really is. And he's the, probably the first guy in this midi rebuild that I, I say, okay, he could stick around. And part of it is it, just his look. Like he's got a good baseball body, and that's important They've had other guys, smaller guys, break down. They don't have a big team. And you really, that's something we don't talk about enough. You really need to have some, some strength there to survive just the 162, not just about hitting home runs, but, but you know, you need big athletes to play baseball. And people don't think of it that way. You think of the great Yankee teams under Jeter. They were, they were big and strong. The current Yankee team is big and strong. Um, even on the mound, you need big guys. The Cubs don't have a lot of those guys. Now, Morell is relatively big compared to the rest of the guys. He's not huge. He's not Stanton or Judge. But um, so, so just start with that. He's a guy I think could stick around. And, yes, he's like a hobby bias almost in terms of energy. I think he's got six stolen bases now. He stole third last night and uh, forced the catcher to throw the ball in the left field and, and scored on that play, and they won by a run. So that was a huge, huge play. So that's the kind of guy – um, that I think he's showing up. I, I would assume he's going to show up on the scouting report for the Cardinals. There's a big enough sample size, even though it's only been a couple weeks, where you notice him, especially as the leadoff man. ESPN's Jesse Rogers with us on 101 ESPN. And Jesse, when the Cardinals traded Patrick Wisdom, a former first-round draft choice of theirs, after the 2018 season, I don't think that they could have envisioned that he would have a 795 OPS and have 11 homers and 10 doubles in 2022. He did it in the second half last year after Bryant was traded and now has continued it. Do the Cubs believe that what Patrick Wisdom is doing is real? That's a very good question. I know that, uh, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know that Mosellock doesn't necessarily think it's real, right? They they moved on, and, and I talked to, to uh, John last year, and he thought maybe this was a flash-in-the-pan situation. I'm, again, I'm not putting words into his mouth. Just in general, 
And the, and here I'll follow it up with my own observations. I didn't think he'd he'd follow up last year with the way he's he's performing right now either. In fact, the first month of this season, he looked like your classic. Okay, he's going to hit 200, hit some home runs, but end up back in the minors type of player. But all of a sudden, he's recovered from that start, and he actually was spraying the ball around the field a little bit. His batting average rose. He wasn't just all about power. I don't think at you know post-30, 31 years old, he's going to turn into some prolific hitter, but could he be a sort of mainstay on the team? Yes, because they don't have a lot of power, and he has certainly proven he can do that. So when you're on a team that doesn't have a lot of power, you just have to hit enough to stay in the big leagues, and you will, you will you know, get your at-bat. So even if he's 220, 225, 210 in this day and age, you can survive if you're hitting the ball out of the yard. And they have really no power from the left side and not a ton from the right side. So he absolutely fits for this team. I can't tell you what he's going to be in two or three years. It's just a difficult projection considering his age and, and where he's come from. I wanted to ask you, Jesse, about Jason Hayward. I know he returned to the lineup last night, but I think there's still a lot of questions surrounding what the Cubs should do with him. I know he's got $36.7 million remaining on that contract through 2023, but what do you think his role is going to be with the Cubs moving forward? I mean, he certainly is a leader in the clubhouse, part-time player. I think he'll. I think they'll move on from him when they need his roster spot. I mean, they are throwing all sorts of rookies out there this year. They have all sorts of injuries. They don't have to, you know, DFA him just to get some prospect up there. Now, I think a year from now could be a different story. They have a a young center fielder, Brennan Davis, who's been injured this year, probably would be up very soon if not for the injury, and that may have pushed uh, Hayward out. They've had a couple injuries down in the minors. So with a team that has injuries at the major league level and the minor league level and a team that's not contending, and a good soldier like Hayward in that locker room, there's no rush to get rid of them. But as soon as they need that roster spot, because there's some cap miss prospects that, that have to be up and he just can't be carried that much longer, I think they'll move on. But I don't know if that's next month, uh, two months, or next year. I would doubt he finishes off the contract the Cub, right, uh, this year and next year. I would doubt it. But based on sort of the uncertainty of these prospects, you never know. Maybe the pr- roster spot won't be as needed next year either. But I, but I could see the squeeze coming next year more than this year. Jesse, we saw Keegan Thompson last year. This year, he's 5-0 and with a 1.58 coming into tonight's start against the Cardinals. What has he done to get to that level? Just been devastating with his stuff. I mean, great, great off-speed, great slider, great flat fastball, learning how to pitch, all the things you want to see out of a young pitcher, um, whether you're in a contending situation or not. He's pitching important innings. That 5-0 and record kind of is at least an indicator that, okay, he's in there when the game's on the line one way or another. He's starting. He's relieving. Um, very, very impressive. I, I, I'd be surprised if there's a 5-spot or 10-7-spot on uh, put up against him. He's just too good right now. Um, so, yeah, just impressive in all ways. Lively arm and good stuff. Hey, last thing. Cubs fans have had to buy into rebuilds in the past. How have they handled this one? Yeah, I'm getting that question a lot. It, it's it's it, it depends who you ask. That's been my standard answer. I mean, there are diehard fans that can buy into this because they're going to be here no matter what. They saw them rebuild a team once. I think everybody is uni- unified in the sense that they hope it doesn't take as long as the first time around. There's that extra wild card now. You're in a big market, lots of money that that's coming in after all the World Series. You know, not all all the playoff appearances and 
all the things they've done to Wrigley Field to renovate it, high ticket prices. So best case scenario for fans is they're on board because they've seen them do it before. They did do a good job in trading Rizzo, Bryant, and all those guys in terms of getting prospects back. Those guys that moved on aren't exactly making the Cubs look bad. They're not having great seasons. Javi Baez is like under 200. Um, some draft picks are working out um, in, in more recent drafts, you know, the 2017, 18, 19 kind of drafts. Before that, their, their late-round picks were not very good. So there, there are good things happening. It just can't go – the worst-case scenario is, oh, yeah, there's good things happening at Class A, so this is going to be five years before those guys are ready to contend. That, that just can't happen. Cub fans won't have that kind of patience, and it's not fair to them to force them to have that kind of patience again with the way they're charging these ticket prices. So it's kind of like a fine line, depends who you ask. But I think if a year from now they're pushing for a wild card spot again or division title, I don't think anybody would have a problem with a one-year step back after contending for as long as they did. Now, this is different than the Cardinals. Cardinals never sell and rebuild. That's just – it's different philosophies. We'll see which one – you know, who gets closer and faster back to uh, sort of the World Series and, and, and see maybe which, which uh, strategy works. I mean, I think most people really admire what the Cardinals are doing. But look, if the Cubs just take that one-year step back, that's not the worst thing in the world. No, not at all. Jesse, it's always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Continue to love your work at ESPN, and we, uh, we appreciate you being generous with your time. My wife would say it my long-winded voice, so appreciate being with you. <laughs> love it. Thank you, sir. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Jesse Rogers, ESPN on 101 ESPN. By the way, Michelle, Cubs averaging 31,000, 30, almost 32,000. They're eighth in MLB attendance, and their fans always do show up. Regardless of what the team is, it's such a destination, Wrigley Field is. You have to go. Well, what did Jesse open up with? It's a perfect day for baseball yeah, right. in Chicago. And you have, what, maybe 90 good days in Chicago weather-wise? Mm-hmm. You're going to get out and do something when you have that opportunity. And going to Wrigley Field, that's on the top of the list. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Enjoy Illinois 300 is coming to St. Louis this weekend. It's sold out, but what a weekend it's going to be. We're going to talk to Curtis Francois of Worldwide Technology Raceway next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. There are some people who will have a legacy of doing great things for the region from an overall standpoint and from a sports standpoint. And one of those people whose great St. Louis legacy is being further cemented this weekend is Curtis Francois. He is the owner of Worldwide Technology Raceway, and he has brought NASCAR, the Cup Series, to St. Louis this weekend. And Curtis joins us now with Carriker and Smallman on the uh, Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Curtis, that's Michelle. This is Randy. Thanks so much for taking some time. And I want to start with congratulating you on getting to this weekend. It's unbelievable. Randy, thanks. And great to be with you today. Uh, yes, it certainly is. It's still unbelievable for me as uh, uh, we've been working at this for 10 years uh, to bring uh, racing back and solidify it in our area here. There's a great, rich history of racing in the St. Louis area and uh, really felt like uh, this was our opportunity to make a difference and uh, we needed the cup race to really put the icing on, on, on the cake, so to speak. And so it's here. Uh, we've been waiting for 25 years for this day and it's finally happening on June 5th. And before I let Michelle ask a question, I need to find out from you what the campground situation looks like right now. <laughs> Well, they're having fun. I'm just going to leave it at that. There's lots of folks moved in and having a big time already. 
Uh, and I think they're just getting started. That's going to be a, a great new addition to, to our area and, and to, to sporting events. That's uh, We have over 1,200 campsites, and camping is a big part of the NASCAR culture. And so as we learn about it, along with everyone else, uh, I think we're in for a real treat. And over the years, that will develop into something very special. Curtis, I want to stick there for a second. When did people start showing up for this weekend? Because Randy and I were talking about it during the break, and people show up well before the weekend starts, right? Uh, I saw people waiting at the gates on Tuesday morning. Um, and that was primarily the campers. But, yes, it is. It's, it's really it's not a, uh, an event that you go to one day and go home, uh, particularly for the people that are traveling from outside of, uh, of our region here. We have sold tickets, believe it or not, in 49 states. There's someone out there in Rhode Island that has not bought a ticket yet, and that would complete the 50. So wow. I think we've, get, we've got an offer out there that if someone from Rhode Island comes and brings it, buys a ticket, that we're going to give them the tickets. So. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool to think that all 50 states could be represented this weekend. Well, Curtis, you said people started showing up Tuesday morning. It's a sellout, the first ever sellout, and the largest single-day crowd that the track has ever had. You knew that St. Louis was hungry for an event like this, but does even what you're seeing now exceed what your expectations were? It really does. When you step back and, and take a look at the enormity of what's going on and the national attention that the city's uh, receiving, really just is, it's, it's a win-win-win for everyone. The fans are winning. The businesses that are involved with us are winning. And most of all, our community uh, is really going to see an uptick from this, not just this year, but for years to come. And for multiple days, we've got Fan Fest that starts this afternoon over at Ballpark Village. There's going to be the Hauler Parade. There's so much more than just the, the activity at the track this weekend, right, Curtis? No doubt. If Friday's going to be a very special day with Richard Petty, uh, the king, coming in to uh, take the ceremonial first lap in a cup car around the racetrack. And he'll be doing that in one of his vintage cars from around 1980. Uh, that's a neat moment to, to, to have the, the king of racing here uh, is celebrating with us. And then Saturday, we have our uh, Camping World Truck Series. There's tickets available for Friday and Saturday. And Saturday shaping up just to be a great day. You've got the racing going on, but the Nelly concert afterwards. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a party. And I think it's going to be memorable. Curtis, is there anything from a logistics standpoint that people need to know about this weekend? Obviously, with the sellout, there's going to be a lot of people trying to get to the same place at the same time. That's important, Michelle. And I think it's it's it really, uh, if, if fans are out there, really pay attention to the directions that we're giving on our website. There's been an awful lot of work that has gone into a, a great traffic plan. But we all have to follow that plan for it to be effective. And uh, we just hope that all will read that and be courteous to other drivers as well. Um, There are no tickets to be sold anymore at the racetrack on Sunday, uh, nor will there be parking sold on Sunday. So if you're going to attend on Sunday, you need to make sure you've purchased your parking in advance. Plenty of tickets available yet for Saturday and for Friday. Curtis, last thing for me, you get the, the biggest stars of NASCAR that are racing right now. You've got Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, uh, one of the young stars, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano. How much fun is that for you to have not only the, the race, but the biggest stars that are showing up here in Madison, Illinois? You know, the, the track honestly has always deserved that, it, and I'll tell you why. Our truck races that we have, the Camping World Truck Series, have produced, uh, I think, five or six different cup drivers 
that will now be competing. So they came up through the the uh, uh, the ranks of little league, so to speak, and they came up to, through uh, the farm team system into NASCAR, and now they're going to be racing cup races on our racetrack. So it, it really is a track that produces champions, and I think that we're going to see just tremendous racing uh, when everybody turns charges into turn one for the first time on june the 5th about 230 is our green flag well we're looking forward to it and as a region as sports people we owe you a debt of gratitude because you've worked so hard to get this to become a reality in st louis and we we can't thank you or congratulate you enough well thank you so much i can tell you this i i, I feel like that this has been um just such a group win for everyone throughout the community people pulling the rope with me and uh, it does not happen with all of that, uh, that, that, that cooperation. It's just a great win for our city. Happy to be a part of it. Curtis, thanks for, so much for the time. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. See, See you later. Yeah. Curtis Francois, the owner of Worldwide Technology Raceway. And it, it's cool, number one, because those that are tuned in will get an opportunity to see. They'll have shots of the arch for the race, and you'll you'll get a chance to see all that. But for our region, so many people, mm-hmm. and I, Michelle, I don't know if you did, I wasn't aware of the intensity. So many people that are from our local area that are camping out there started on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's The intensity of the NASCAR fan is really high. Absolutely, and I didn't realize that, as Curtis explained to us, that people would be showing up on Tuesday for an event that's happening over the weekend, but it's this entire culture of getting there and of camping and of ingraining your into the entire experience but to think 57,000 seats absolutely sold out the biggest event that we're going to have at that track in St. Louis it's going to be a big event and it's just another example of when big sporting events come to St. Louis the community shows up to support it they sure do and we mentioned that the the fan fest starts this afternoon at four at ballpark village runs from four to 8 PM at six o'clock. All of the NASCAR haulers are going to leave worldwide technology raceway. And they're actually going to have a parade that passes ballpark village at six 30. So if you're down at ballpark village at six 30, you can see all of those haulers with the, the cars. And uh, that's brought to you by enterprise and uh, by Bush stadium. Uh, and you'll have the opportunity to check out so many things over the weekend. Just go to WWT raceway.com to get in on some of the things that aren't the sold out race on Sunday. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me Smalls as we head down the stretch. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me Smalls. You're killing me Smalls with Michelle Smallman. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time for... Killing me, Smalls! First things first, we have some housekeeping to deal with here. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the show, we got into a little bit of a debate about... Rocky Road and mm-hmm. where it, its place is in the power rankings of ice cream flavors. Versus vanilla. Just plain vanilla. Which I said is near and or at the top. I have a poll up uh-huh. on my Twitter feed at msmallman. Make your voice heard right now. We have 22 hours left in the poll. Early results, Randy. Mm-hmm. Vanilla running away with the victory. 45% of those responding voting vanilla over chocolate and or Rocky Road. 
people are messed up. What can I say? <laughs> they are not. They're smart, and they understand that vanilla ice cream is the Paul Goldschmidt of ice creams. Consistent, always w- willing to give shine to their teammates, a.k.a. toppings, and or other delicious desserts. I don't... Uh, Consistent I, to me, production from vanilla. I... I like, who's... Goldie's good. The, the, the thing is, who is the ultimate, like, average baseball player? Who's the the median baseball player? That's what vanilla is. That's what people describe vanilla no, as. You would describe vanilla as consistent, and who is not the image of consistency if not Paul Goldschmidt? He's as consistent as they come. Yeah, he's he's consistent, but he's the thing is, he's too great to be vanilla. No, vanilla is great, is what I'm trying to tell you. This is not a knock on Paul Goldschmidt. This is an accurate description of what vanilla ice cream actually is. See, and I just can't go there. I mean, if, vanilla if, has been miscast all these years. See, if, if I, I'm if, sick of if, the narrative surrounding vanilla. If I'm at Schnooks and I am in the ice cream aisle, vanilla, I, I'm not going to say, ew, vanilla. I'm going to say, ah, <laughs> oh, okay, vanilla. <laughs> but then if, if I see, like, moose tracks, or if I see chocolate chip cookie dough, or if I see Rocky Road, or if I see chocolate, I am going to say, hmm, that looks really good. That's that's interesting. Vanilla is completely uninteresting. No, you're never going to choose plain chocolate ice cream over plain vanilla. It's just not going to happen. And Every time. That's why Rocky Road is, ugh, because it's base is chocolate. Think about all of the the best ice cream combos and or flavors. Vanilla is the base. It's the foundational piece. It's the franchise player that you build around. You see, it's not a franchise player. That's the problem. It is. So it it might be foundation. Like vanilla is like I guess you could say it's the offensive line. It's definitely not the quarterback. It's a very important base. She's not wrong. But again, like I, I use my Ted Drews uh, order as the perfect example. I get chocolate at Ted Drews. That is a vanilla, but they mix in the best part about it, which is chocolate syrup to get the actual good chocolate flavor. Because there's nothing better in the world than the flavor of chocolate. It's 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 a top five flavor of all time. It's I, don't just, I don't know how you roll with it. You but guys hey, are nuts. The listeners have spoken, and we and, and we so, have to just almost fifty percent. I'm shocked. Chocolate ice cream, nuts, marshmallows. I mean, hard, hard to compare vanilla to Rocky Road. Nuts and marshmallows? No mm, thanks. Yum. I love those individually. Don't need them together. Certainly don't need a mix with chocolate ice cream. So here's the thing. I would guess then, and somebody texted this earlier, you probably just get plain Cheerios and just... Pop. Honey nut Cheerios? No, plain. Plain Cheerios. You, you just pop right But isn't plain honey nut? No. no. That's the crazy part. There actually is a plain Cheerio. Oh, I don't well, know who no. buys that. So you probably, Honey Nut is the best. Yeah. Uh, so actually, those frosted Cheerios were the bomb back in the day. They, not disagreeing. Do they those still are make like, those? Those yeah, are like they, the Rocky Road oh Cheerios. They remember still the, slap. Remember Michelle, the milk? Michelle, that they, was there. they still absolutely slap. Oh my gosh. But I'll tell you what. Anyway, make your voice heard at M. Smallman. The, Twitter, <laughs> the text line is blowing up in support for me. But please vote in this poll because we're going to revisit this tomorrow. I want Randy to know how incorrect he is with this take. I am 100% correct with my take. That's the problem. <laughs> no, you're not. I, I dare say this was the first edition of the hashtag food fight on character and small men. <laughs>
You're killing me, Smalls. Someone else who was very much correct in their take yesterday was Christian Pulisic. So after the United States beat Morocco, an impressive 3-0 victory for the U.S. of A. and a friendly in Cincinnati, it was one of their tune-ups for the World Cup in November. And it was not a packed house in Cincinnati. This is our men's national team playing. They're gearing up for the World Cup. You would expect more people to be there. Christian Pulisic talked about this after the game. Yeah, it was nice. To be honest, uh, for whatever reason, I'm not super happy with uh, the amount of Americans here, however that works out, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but uh, it's thanks to the ones who did come, and uh, the support is always great from them. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be back in America and playing again. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I would say that if you're in America, you should have a very partisan American crowd. I don't think there is an excuse, even though it's not America's sport, for another country to have more representation than... America does, unless unless you're like in L.A. and you're playing Mexico because people will travel. Right. People will travel. And a lot of their population is Hispanic, has has come from Mexico. So I think that's different. But if you've got a U.S. soccer team game in Cincinnati, it should be really partisan American. I agree. And I also think there needs to be a better job of publicizing these things. There needs to be more national attention mm-hmm. brought to the fact that a game like this is happening. Because prior to yesterday, how, how many times did we even hear about this? The fact that Christian Pulisic is talking about this has made headlines and we're talking about it. How many times did we have even mentioned that game on this show had this comment not been made? None. Zero. And this is, this is just part of a greater conversation None. about soccer in America and how we need to be more behind the national team. And you know what? I wonder if it was a women's game if there would have been more people there. Yes, definitely. The women's team is is more popular right now because they win. And they bring in fans for sure. But there needs to be a better job done by all of us involved to promote things like this. Right. Agreed. You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, Randy, yesterday we talked a lot about the second slap heard around the world, not Will Smith and Chris Rock, but Tommy Pham and Jack Peterson. This all stemming from a fantasy football disagreement. A lot of money on the line. Some gifts were sent in the, te- in the group thread that Tommy Pham did not like. And he threw their commissioner, Mike Trout, under the bus, saying he's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports. He shouldn't be allowed to, or he should have been more enforced excuse me, more impactful and enforcing the rules. And Mike Trout was asked about this yesterday and he said, quote, I ain't talking about fantasy football. It's one of those things where everyone is competitive. Everybody loves fantasy football. Who doesn't? He was asked whether he was going to return as the commissioner of said league and he says that he has not decided yet if he was going to be the commissioner but that he was prepared for criticism if he does. He says, every commissioner I know always gets booed. (laughs) Good for him. Has this gotten out of hand a little bit, by the way? I know it's a fun little diversion for the media, but do we really need to talk this much fantasy football from a move that was made two years ago? Yes. How much of, again, Mike Trout is one of the best players in baseball. How much are we in a great baseball city talking about Mike Trout if we're not talking about this? Yeah, we aren't. And here's the other thing so I guess not that we should look at. not out of hand is what I'm if, saying. If you're baseball and you can latch on to the NFL, you do it. Big time. And you're doing it right now. Also, Adam Wainwright gave a great breakdown of how he was locked in on the mound and the difference between when, you, when you're missing pitches in a bad game and a good game. And yet, I still think the best part about the interview yesterday was when he broke down fantasy football, his job as a commissioner, why he disagrees with the IRIL. He gave us a great baseball answer. I still wanted to hear about what he said about Tommy Pham and fantasy football. He's intense.
They all are, it's clearly. Great. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Great job today by our producer and engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Appreciate Pleasure. Uh, Michelle, this was fun. We had a we don't have many character and Smallman spats, but this is major vanilla versus Rocky Road. It was. And before we go, let me do a quick update here. Uh, vanilla still in the lead handily with forty seven percent. So that means fifty three percent for the others. The winner of the fir- the winner of the food fight, and it's it's Michelle Smallman and Vanilla. Well, we got twenty four hours. Twenty two. Twenty two. So make your vote heard at M Smallman on Twitter. Yeah, and it, it has been quote tweeted at Randy Carricker. So make sure you vote there too. <laughs> uh, dissing Rocky Road ice cream on National Rocky Road Day, just do you criminal. want me to lie? Do you want me to lie? Well, maybe for on their day, it's okay. I mean, do you ever go in and say, "Cute baby," but then, oh, all babies look the same, and they really aren't. No, some are definitely cuter than others. <laughs> I'm being honest. Some are definitely cuter than others. Some look like aliens. Yes, Love you. Yes, You'll grow out of it. But some newborn babies, you're like, Ugh. Really? Really? For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. Target's new Red Card Reloadable saves you 5% every Target trip, in-store and online, and doesn't require a bank account or credit check to get approved. Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. Restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.